and welcome everyone to the I Want to Believe radio show. Filling again, filling in again, as always, is uh, yours truly, Dan Horry of the Southern Michigan Paranormals, and I'm here with Elmer Boster. Uh, Elmer uh, was on on the last episode, but we're we're picking up the slack. Bob's out there goofing around on vacation. We got a great show for all of you. Uh, you we we've been bringing you some great guests, and we always want to give a shout out to Michelle Freed, who's been sending a lot of wonderful people to us, and we are very honored. Uh, honestly honored to have the, the quality of folks that she is sending to us. And we have some quality folks, if I may say so myself, uh, on this program. Uh, we have with us the Eckarts, and uh, this is Dan and Kat Eckhart. Uh, I'm going to read their bio, as I do with most people. Uh, I know some of you hate that when all the podcasts sound alike, but I think it's appropriate to kind of let you know a little bit about what's going on here. Uh, the Eckharts are, are uh, seance hosts, mediums, and celebrity occultists. Obsessed. Obsessed. That's quite the word. Uh, with exploring what lies beyond the veil. Through their work, the Eckharts strive to share their love of the paranormal by showing that spirit communication can be exciting, mystical, and ultimately accessible to us all. And I couldn't have said that better. I mean, I could have, but I didn't. And the, the other thing is, folks, honestly... I believe exactly what's written there. I, I'm, I'm on the same mindset. I, I try to tell people that I have experienced 99.9% uh, .9 of the time more mystical, beautiful things in the paranormal than I have all the horror and the scary things that people want you to kind of believe or they conjure up in their own imagination. But know. Have you seen some of the people who go to some of these conventions? I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> and we'll probably talk a little bit about that. But Kat, Dan, Dan, Kat, welcome to the uh, the show. I, I appreciate you guys being here with me and Elmer. Well, thank Hello. you so much for having us. Glad to be here. Yeah. And they're all the way up in Maryland, if I can that's give right. that out. Yeah. <laughs> Maryland. Right Maryland. I believe that's how they really pronounce it, isn't it? Maryland. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never heard it that way yet, but I have to be, I have to be forthcoming. I'm actually from Pennsylvania, so I'm an out of stater myself. I just recently moved here. So. I see. You're the out of towner. Okay. I get it. I get it. Well, at so, least he's not from Michigan. <laughs> yeah, it could be worse. You could be from Kalamazoo and yeah, we, we don't want to <laughs> go mean, there. Michigan in general. Like, I, I swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or really out there from West Virginia. Hey, you know I'm from Ohio, so you know. I know, I know, but look where you right? chose to live. I'm with <laughs> the program. Um, I am really interested into. I, I always ask probably the same thing you guys hear every time you're on a podcast, and I know you've done a series and a bevy of these. I've I've gone and listened to a few things uh, that you've done. I try to kind of do a little research when I can find the time to get that in because you should as a show host kind of know a little bit about what's going on sometimes i like to come into it guys in the dark because it's a learning curve for me you're actually mm -hmm. exploring something or telling me something that i i, I just really didn't want to know too much about mm -hmm. but but honestly let's talk about i know you're a couple let's talk about you individual and you guys individually and you guys can pick who's going to go first the, the main question I always ask is what happened that got you interested and started and how did you discovered your gift? Mm. Great question. Kat, you have a good story for this. I feel like we should start with you though. because <laughs> Well, because you had it before. I suppose. Before I did. Okay. Well, I grew up in a haunted house, which is a great way to kick things off. I think. Yes, sir. Um, I grew up with a lot of weird stuff happening around me. Um, and frankly, it was really scary as a kid. 
Um, there was something about um, experiencing weird stuff in your bedroom at night when you're alone and like um, you're having these terrible nightmares and all of that kind of um, almost like Hollywood-esque uh, paranormal activity. The things that people uh, imagine uh, when they think of a haunted house or ghosts, uh, like presences in the room or things at the edge of the bed or things looking in the window at night. And all of that was deeply, deeply unsettling. It was something that lasted for years. Um, and yet, despite the fact that it was ongoing and terrifying, uh, I couldn't like pull myself away from it. I had a collection of books about the mysteries of the 20th century, a book about pyramids and aliens and ghosts and spontaneous combustion and mediumship and all of that. And despite the fact that the images of like the aliens inside the book were absolutely terrifying, I couldn't stop reading about it, looking it up. Uh, this is, I grew up right when the internet was like accessible, I guess, in everyone in my generation's house. So, you know, I was Googling this stuff uh, or Yahoo at the time, Yahoo right. and stuff. Right. Um, History Channel was running like wall to wall um, stuff around UFOs and I'm sure ghosts. They still are. I'm sure they still are. Oh, they are. They are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's horrible now. It's even worse. It is. Yeah. Like repeat over and over and over. It's like, oh my God, get something new. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. And at the time it was a, it was a confluence of worldviews or a um, trying to piece together the worldview I had been brought up with growing up in a, um, in a really like Christian household and also these terrifying nighttime things. And the unfortunate reality of that is uh, you're kind of left, or at least I was in my experience, left with this uh, dichotomy between like, well, the paranormal isn't real. And if it is real, it's just demons trying to trick you, which is right. even more terrifying to someone who's right. already having bad experiences. Right. Because so, that's because that's what you come from. You know, that's we talk about that a lot. And you're sharing a story that's very similar, very similar to a lot of guests, me included. You know, yeah, you're instantly taught that, well, you know, like like you just laid out, it's got to be demons. You yeah. know, and, and you shouldn't be messing with this stuff or talking to it. And uh, I've reached a point. We'll get to this. But I've, re I've reached a point, uh, guys, where I'm just like, well, I've talked to the big man himself. And he told me to go forward, bear witness and help when I can. Uh, we'll we'll get to that with you guys here at some point, but I, I just want to throw that out to you a little bit so you know a little bit about me coming mm -hmm. into this because anything you say to me, I'm, I'm shaking my head a lot. People can't see that here on the podcast, yeah. uh, but I like where if you're going with this. Continue. If they listen real closely, you can hear their marbles shaking his head. So. Oh, you can, <laughs> and and the wheels moving. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, just one wheel. It just keeps going around, and it's like a little hamster. <laughs> He's just getting real tired, though. That's, that's, that's just my pacemaker. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah, so it's a real. Uh, it was one of these really kind of awkward experiences growing up with this. Um, and once I went off to college, when I met Cat. Uh, when I was away from the house, these things would stop. When I was at other people's homes or when I was living away at college, I didn't have these like visitors in the night kind of experiences. It was localized to this one space. And I didn't feel like I could tell anyone about it until I met Kat. And of course, I didn't tell her right away, but she had an experience which kind of reaffirmed where I was at. Yes. Um... One day I went over to his house and I entered his room and turned around and I saw some sort of like tall 
shadow-like entity in the doorway. And I was immediately very frightened and I looked away and then I looked back and it wasn't there, but I still felt as if it were there. I felt the heavy presence and I really just freaked out. I thought I had had a hallucination. I thought I was uh, delusional for the moment and I didn't know where that came from. Um, and so I told Dan about it and I'm not even sure what you said at the time, but I it, don't know if you told me everything. It was just, it was one of these moments where you're with someone who's an independent like witness and can verify yeah. like, oh, wait a second. If you're seeing it, then I'm not absolutely unhinged. Then this is something else. This is something externalized that two people can kind mm -hmm. of verify. And having that experience, I didn't think I really unpacked you the entirety did. of it. Just handling me who was freaking out. Yeah, but it was a kind of permission slip almost mm -hmm. to for both of us to kind of ease into this world. Uh, yeah. Once you have an experience with the paranormal in any real way, there's no going back from it. It kind of becomes uh, a significant marker in your life. Right, right. And the unhinged part, uh, folks, comes later when you're married. Just want to, <laughs> just want to put that out there. Yeah, yeah. Is it yeah. jaw hinges or? Oh, oh Lord. Hey, keep the show clean. This is a family program, mister. Um, what family, we don't know, but it, you know, it, it, is, it goes without saying. But no, I, I, I can only imagine what you must have felt. You know, you see something that quick and then you're thinking, hey, I'm new to being with this guy. And I come in here and I see this thing. And then he kind of tells me this stuff. And I can only imagine your mind was racing. Like, mm -hmm. wow, there's there's a lot of. I'll just say it. There's there's a lot of baggage coming on with this with this trip, and oh, yeah. uh, where do you go with it from here? But I, I I I think it's cool that you were very open and accepting, you know, right away. Well, I I actually did want to, in a way that people who don't can only want to. But I wanted to grow up in a haunted house. <laughs> I wanted to have that experience because I always kind of I always wanted it to be real. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to see spirits or see ghosts, and I I never did. I my house wasn't haunted, and and I didn't really go anywhere that had hauntings. Um, so for me, after I got over the fact that I wasn't crazy and I didn't hallucinate, um, it was really exciting. I I really wanted to um, have that experience, and I guess part of the work we do is out of that desire to continue to have that experience with the paranormal. Yeah, yeah, there's a um, there's a real drive behind what we do now that's very oriented towards people who maybe have had experiences similar to ours. Because as you were saying, Danny, it is like a very, it is a very common experience in the paranormal it is. world. It is. It, it, it's common, but yet still very personal too, to mm -hmm. everybody who has an individual, yeah. Exactly. And Kat and I were able to kind of move through this um, process of unpicking both the paranormal side of that experience, but then also what it meant for our lives, because our lives really did shift. They hinged on this to a great extent. And we were able to do that by coming to this moment without kind of a, um, a hysterical or amped up kind of movie response or um, Warren-esque response to the paranormal, rather a lot of communication, a lot of um, really trying to be skeptical. And that's something that Kat and I say, which I think often surprises people, is that we consider ourselves to be skeptics. 
and skeptics in the term of what that word kind of originally meant, which was mm -hmm. someone who doesn't mm -hmm. real, who wants to test everything that comes into them. A preservation of doubt. A preservation of doubt. That's exactly it. That is a great phrase. Yeah, that's exactly, Kat, that's excellent. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I'm all, I'm, I am too. Everything's a great experience in a story, even though you're believers, I'm believers. We know what we saw. We know, we know what we know. Um, but you know, when you, like you said, you deal with other people in the public, even including ourselves, mm -hmm. I still want to make sure that I have the experience for myself first, before I start reading any kind of review, you know, back <laughs> on it or to try to share it with everybody. Because again, it just turns out to, to be an account or a story. And like you said, it's, it's great if you've got a person with you who's working with you, like you guys have a dynamic, uh, being in a relationship. Or like if like if Elmer and I went out and we're working as a team and we both see the same thing or experience the same thing, we still might have slight differences in our perception, but we corroborated each other's you know incident because we both kind of knew something was going on. If that makes exactly. any sense to the public. How old were you guys when when that happened? You guys remember? Because you look pretty young. You guys are pretty yeah. young looking people. We would have been around probably. You would have been nineteen. I would have been eighteen. So we were young. So like last year, right? <laughs> no, sure. sure. We're not. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you shouldn't be complaining about that. <laughs> well, you both look very young. Come on. Don't they? Yeah, I think they like, do. Like, what? 22, 23? I mean, yeah. come on. Well, this would have been about 10 years ago. So hey, I saw <laughs> the I saw Lots the cocker head slightly. Like, uh. yeah, yeah. Well, you guys look great then. I mean, you're you're aging well, that's for sure. Um <laughs> Now, individually, you know, I, always, I, I asked you, you've shared how both of you kind of came into this. Um, were you aware of like, you know, the mediumship part of that? Were you aware of sensitivity? Obviously, things were attracted to you both because you guys have an aura. You got a light. You know, you, these things are attracted to us doing work in the light. Mm -hmm. Did you know that at a young age? Or like you said, it, you just kind of came into it and then realized as you had those experiences later because you had your Christian upbringing Mm -hmm. Both of you have your belief systems that you brought to the table. I know I'm asking this question in a long way. No, it's uh, great I'm, just, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to break it down. So was there a point before you met that you kind of were aware something was going on and you just weren't sure? Or that when you guys met and then you really got into it, is that where it took off? I guess is mm -hmm. what I'm asking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it, it took off after a few years after we were together, after we had met. I didn't really have a self-concept or a worldview that accepted the presence of ghosts or spirits or, or uh, non-local consciousness. Um, I, I couldn't really believe that. It was kind of, I guess, against my upbringing, um, against my religious upbringing. And I just didn't think I was the kind of person that could experience something like that. I thought I was this very left-brained, logical, science-minded person. And based on what I was taught, that was antithetical to all things paranormal or ghosts or anything like that. So okay. it wasn't until after we had been together for a few years that I my beliefs kind of opened up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, for me, I would never have said that I came from like, I would never have said in that time, oh, I'm having these experiences that are, uh, you know, receiving messages from beyond or, or what have you. And I think that's just because the language around those had shifted to a different, um, a different perspective. 
So for example, coming from a Pennsylvania Dutch background, uh, oh, yeah. a lot of family members have a very traditional Appalachian folk traditions that they still practice to this day. Um, no one would call that witchcraft or conjure mm -hmm. or anything mm -hmm. like that, but it very much fits into that mold and very much is part of that tradition. So there's a lot of um, pendulum work or uh, yep. divining uh, rods and divining rods. Yeah. Exactly. A lot of uh, witches. Don't forget the water witches. <laughs> yes. A lot of memorialization of the dead. So taking time every year to visit the family grave spots. And I have family members who do that religiously, that it's this day of the year they're going, they see everyone's graves. Um, graveside that they can consciously remember, take notes, clean the grave spots. This is all very uh, much the work of people who would be involved in mediumship or um, any type of spirit connection. Uh, and they just don't call it that. And so for me, right. it was kind of plugging that back in and saying, oh, well, these practices, these feelings that I received, these dreams I've had, have direct correlation with mediumship. I think always of my mom in this, who um, had this dream growing up. And I remember her telling us this around the kitchen table, this dream that um, one of my grandparents who had passed away before I was born came to visit at the house. And the dream was that she came, my, my mother came out into the living room and saw this individual just sitting in the rocking chair in the living room. And I remember her saying it was so clear she was sitting in the rocking chair and she looked around and said, well, this is a nice house. Well, I hope everyone here is okay. How are you doing? We haven't spoken in a while. And that burned into my brain because that is a spirit message. Like that is mediumship. That is someone visiting from beyond and saying like, hey, I'm just checking in. Here I am. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll hear that a lot with the Appalachian, you know, folklore and stuff. I mean, obviously uh, i live in it um, <laughs> but yeah i mean that goes along with a lot of stuff that's just like um you know most people don't realize that the banshee mm. is actually appellation as well as you know ireland and scotland mm. and all that stuff as well because most people don't you know identify with that but there was a lot of people who came from overseas who migrated over here there's a lot of german like in my area there's a lot of german and there's a lot of irish in it so it's kind of like one of those things where you get a lot of that kind of folklore. I mean, there's a lot of different stuff. Like you'll hear about the Indian stuff, you know, Native Americans type stuff, stuff like that. But most of the time it's a lot of like a conglomerate of different folklores just joining together. I mean, that's yeah. the beauty about, you know, the mountain state. It, mm -hmm. it, it is awesome. I actually have an apothecary book here that was put together by the apps. I mean, mm. I don't know that they like being called that, but it's short for the Appalachians. And, no, you know, pe the people. No, 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 no. Is that a, is that a, is that a racial derivative now? I can't. The cancel no, culture is going to be all app, over me now because I called apps, me apps. The app, app, the app. No, no, you called me an app again, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> We're going to get just send the hate mail to Mike McKelly. Um, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean I have an apothecary book here because my you know we believe in it very much. So my wife mm -hmm. does. Maybe more so before I did, but you know, your name, the Eckhart, sounds like it's almost Scott or Irish, uh, in and of itself. I could be wrong, but it seems like I've I've met some people who are Scottish with the name Eckhart, spelled mm -hmm. like yours too, with the E mm -hmm. E C K. Um, yeah, yeah, and and you're coming from a great tradition there, like you said. They would they would say one thing in the church, you know, as you as you indicated, but then they're out doing these practices and. 
at the same time, I don't think, like you said, maybe they don't realize that they're obviously doing spiritualism and spirit communication. And they've been known for that for hundreds of years since they settled those areas. Mm -hmm. uh, my grand, my great grandparents were involved in that too, Dan. Um, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm open and sensitive to that. Well, and I, I didn't get that information until I was in the hospital sick. And then my mom decided to share, oh, uh, wow. info, which explains why I got my sensitivity and you answered already. I think for me, a question I was going to throw at both of you, is there a history in your family of people having, you know, like sight, you know, seeing things before they happen, knowing things, uh, having any kind of indication that this is a thing that's going to genetically be handed down, whether they want you to, you know, ignore it or they want you to just dive right into it and, and admit it. Mm, that's a great question. I think that it's a, I think that um, it's something that really ties home to what, what we do in terms of seance and mediumship as this kind of, in many ways, a practical um, and every man kind of um, working. I think that it doesn't necessarily matter to me how many people have experience in their family, although it's interesting when that comes through, because whether that's genetic or whether that's just something that's encouraged, um, you know, people are given the permission to believe it. And so then they believe it and then right. it's true. Uh, that's a conundrum of magic, certainly. But I've always loved that component of the Appalachian traditions and the seance and spiritualist traditions that they are so, um, they are so practical and they are so kind of work a day. There's that distinct in those uh, apothecary books, those distinct mm -hmm. um, delineations of this is like kind of a, maybe a magical or folksy working. And then this is like a recipe for jam. And then here's something to cure a various illness. I love that. I love yeah. that because it's, uh, it's so divorced from these kind of like hierarchical occultic trappings that we get with Crowley, even though I do like Crowley. So well, you know, as as uh, Elmer pointed out, you know, it, it stems from all the traditions from the old world mm -hmm. and even the white witch thing. You know, people looked at these people as people of the earth, whether you want to go into people, you know, European society calling it pagan or not. They were in touch with these herbs and these healing uh, properties. Again, you know, the Appalachian people, they know what they're talking about. The, they didn't have hospitals and doctors and, and it didn't fix and cure everything, but it fixes most. And. You know, we're all now with Western that Western medicine starting to wake up more to these apothecary type of things, but mm -hmm. it, it still is connected to what it is that that was going on with you. Um, and I'm with you too. Like I said, I don't, I'm not sure that um, it's always genetically handed down. I think all of us have the possibility of probably having the gift. It's just that some of us in in what you you. You said the word magic, which I, I think is a good word there for the use of what you were trying to explain, because it seems that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've been given gifts by the creator that a lot of us don't really realize. And some people just, you know, mentally it's blocked off. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Shane would tell you that he's as sensitive as a brick, you know, <laughs> but but I've seen him. I've seen him react to stuff because he's like, well, I feel, I feel like I'm being watched or, mm -hmm. you know, he's part of the home garden. He knows when people are in the woods watching him. So it's like, Shane, that's your sensitivity at work right there. You're your own best tool. But uh, you answered two of my questions that I was going to get to. So you, you kind of covered that in advance. Maybe you're reading my mind. I, <laughs> I must be psychic. And, and, if you're, and if you're in there, I'm sorry <laughs> I, in advance. If you um, see a figure, don't, don't talk about it. Just don't yeah, talk. don't talk about it. Just, yeah, yeah, just pretend like you didn't see it. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Michelle always sends these great sheets. You know, it's got talking points, things that I, I want to get to. I'll ask a lot of out-of-the-box questions. You know, I, I never – I want you guys to be comfortable to know – when I say that, as I said with Kimberly, when I had her on last week, that my design to do that is to give you an opportunity because you always hear the same questions all the time. And some of my out of the box stuff is just stuff that I'm not ambushing anybody. I'm just, I have questions, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I'll stick to some of these, but I may throw some things in there, but I'm here to give you a platform to talk about your gift and share what you do. Uh, Elmer and I, uh, Bob, none of us ever come after people to, you know what I mean? I know some podcasts will do that. They'll throw in like some trick questions and what they're trying to do is make fun or. Mm -hmm. so. Long as it's not psychic moth, man, please don't. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got a better one for you at another show. <laughs> there's a, there's a lady coming on here soon and I don't know how many months that talks to fish. Hey, I'm not doubting it. I'm just yes. saying. As yes, a little out there. Look, I've been wanting me a moth. I wanted me an Aquaman. I wanted to meet Aquaman, right? So. Thank you. That is my birthday present. Yeah, ask Dan and Chat much. what they'd think of that too. And I ain't making fun of her. It's like because she's very serious about this. And hey, more power to her, man. She supports hey, what she hey, needs. You never you know? know. Like sometimes the most outrageous thing might actually make freaking sense. It might. That's the thing. Time. We we should never. We I mean, we can tongue in cheek stuff, but never doubt because, right? You guys probably have come across things where oh. you're like, oh come on, that can't. Oh wait. <laughs> you know certainly um in fact like yes when we talk about stuff with a um, paranormal investigation uh it often feels like the things that are just so insane and so out there are the ones that have the most valence under scrutiny uh, when we talk to people yep. because there is something that high strangeness is very very strange so if mm -hmm. it's really weird uh you know I'm not going to discount it because it may, may I've been proven wrong too many times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, sir. I, it's a learning curve. That is, I like to use that term a lot. I too have like, Oh, come on. And then, you know, the stuff's actually happening in front of me. And I'm like, I, okay, I, I don't know where to go with this. I'll just say I was there. I saw it happen. And now there's my testimony. <laughs> so, you know, cause always, it seems so out of the world, you know, see, I always call it the Stephen King moment for me. Because usually it feels like it's about to be a Stephen King moment, and I'm just like looking around, going, ah, "All right, where's Pennywise at? Or you know, where's the Dark Man? Or some crazy crap is about to go to go down?" Because usually something is about to be weird. Really. I, I I get what you're saying. I get what Elmer's saying. I'm, I ask you guys if you've experienced that before we get into some of these, because we're on a good subject right here. You know, I I didn't see a solid person. I remember seeing people when I was a, a, a child, like five six. But throughout my teens and my adults, I would see shadow things, but I never saw anything solid again, not till my adult life. And as Elmer said, I was working for a corporation and I saw this person, which I didn't expect to see. And of course, there was nobody wearing a mask. And when I got to where I thought I'd catch somebody, there's there's nobody there. And uh, I know I'd seen what I saw, what I saw. And it shook me up to the point where like you said, I, I, like Elmer, I had, I felt something was going down. I was being looked at and watched and I wasn't even thinking paranormal. I was actually upset because I had to go down to my mom's for 4th of July down to this hot, hot campsite. And I didn't want to haul my little kids down there. I've got four kids and I'm thinking we're going to be in a hot, sweaty tent. I love 4th of July, but I, mom's in the camper. We're outside sweating to death. That was what was on my mind. And 
I had doubted again, even though I knew I'd seen things when I was a kid as to what Elmer's alluding to and what you guys said that I had doubted that you'd see stuff as solid as people were telling me constantly. I just thought, well, why haven't I seen it since I, I was little? Maybe I'm remembering wrong. Mm -hmm. And obviously, apparently I wasn't. So, <laughs> And it stuck with me for weeks. My wife said, she'll tell you, that haunted me. I, I just kept seeing that woman's face. I still do. I see it like it's mm -hmm. yesterday. Um, so mm -hmm. let's jump into the mediumship aspect, and then we'll talk more about like paranormal investigating and other things you guys have listed here, especially the occult stuff, because I'm very interested in that too. I think there's been a lot of misinformation and people take it and run. I mean, I, when I mean run, they're Kyra Lewis sprinting with it, you know, <laughs> um, mediumship is possible for everyone is one of the talking points. I mean, do you think that everybody can hone everybody, you know, who thinks they're just shut off can hone these gifts and they and do you guys do like classes and do you, do you mentor people? Uh, yes and yes. Um, okay. <laughs> we do think everyone is capable. I, I mean, this belief stems out of my own experience and as many beliefs do, but uh, growing up, I didn't feel I was sensitive and I don't still often see spirits. Um, but through our work, through doing seances and trying out mediumship, I was actually able to understand how I can sense and communicate with spirits, which was primarily and is primarily through feeling first and then um, able to hear the voices and communicate that way. So just knowing that in myself, I never felt that I had any sort of gift, but I gave myself permission to try out mediumship um, in, a, in a seance context. Mm -hmm. And it was so successful. Like I, it happened before I believed it could happen. And so I have to feel that everyone can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we view seance and mediumship in many ways as ritual. So if we're joining together with intent, then something is likely, we hope, to happen. Exactly. Yeah. And we find that there's a certain way, much like you said, people kind of run with this idea oh, of what yeah. the occult oh, yeah. is. There's a certain way that we look at mediumship in popular culture. It looks like someone approaching somebody in a grocery store and saying, I see your grandfather right next to you and he wants to say X, or it's very evidential. Not that evidential mediumship is not a good thing, but there is a premium placed on it because we find that we can hopefully verify this beyond or prove in a materialist way. And I think that ultimately shuts people down because if they don't feel like they're getting birthdays or names or places of burial, um, they feel like their messages aren't valid or their messages they're not receiving aren't important. Mm. And what's interesting about that is we all have internal thoughts, right? We all have an internal dialogue. And I don't know about you two, Danny and Elmer, but there are some things that are just, they exist within me. And maybe I haven't even told Kat simply because I haven't thought to. It's part of my internal monologue. So if we're connecting with a consciousness and we hear part of its internal monologue, maybe there's no way we can pull out a diary or drive to a graveyard or see it written on someone's, uh, you know, on someone's social media about this person and verify, but that doesn't make it any less real. So for us, we like to use tools that can be externalized like pendulums, tarot divination, scrying, um, channeled art, automatic writing. All of these things are great gateways into mediumship, 
that people don't often classify as mediumship. Yeah, yeah, and and there are tools, as you already said, that operate on intent. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my friend Danielle Garrison gives a great speech about rocks and teacups. And she's like, listen, you know, because we used to get so many people going, you know, I'm going to use bad language, folks. Everybody earmuff your kids if they're in the room. You know, everybody would go ape shit, ape shit over uh, telling me about using a Ouija board and all this bad luck happened to them. I'm like, listen, you had bad luck happening in your life way before you guys bought this, you know, uh, game uh, from a toy store, wherever you're purchasing. You know, it does. You could make one out of a pizza box, folks. Mm-hmm. No, no <laughs> lie. So the thing is not in the board. It has no magic power and it does not conjure up demons. I'm tired of telling people and they want to know, well, how, how can I prove it? It's like, well, because it's intent. You know, you could just when we're doing EVP sessions and Dan and Kat probably know this. Um, when you're doing EVP sessions and you're using a digital recorder, I'm doing virtually the same thing. It's a tool. I'm asking someone to communicate with me. I'm asking for a door to be open to the other side, whether it be parallel worlds, uh, over the veil, heaven, hell, I don't know, uh, you know, whatever it is, because I still haven't been able to really classify or hone that down exactly. Even though, I, like you said, you have your experiences, what you believe, I do too. And I think we're more alike than than you know, um, you guys, cause you don't know me. Uh, I think we're more alike than, than probably what you know, but, um, I know I get long winded on these because it's like a soapbox moment for me to go along with what you're saying is, you know, um, I do the same thing. I allow it to happen when it, when it happens, but some people, like you said, they want 100% things. And I tell them, Hey, I may even get things wrong sometimes because I may think it's meant for you, but I could be picking up something from somebody two blocks down or another guy in the back room uh, or it may not be for you at all. And, and it doesn't mean that I, I don't have that communication. And I know you've probably been frustrated with that yourself. And then they feel like you said, they're being gypped and this isn't real. Or how come I can't get a message? Why is it his grandpa comes through and mine doesn't? It's a whole it's a whole dichotomy of different things that go on with this. And I can only imagine as a couple how you guys try to sort that out when you, you know, and, and if people ask you to do readings, it's another thing I hate because I'm like, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't profess to do that. I don't want to do that. It's hard for me. It's hard to do that on demand because I just don't choose to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully I made sense in that big ramble. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, research shows that mediums are generally not correct a hundred percent of the time, rather right. around uh, 70 or 80 if it's if it's a great medium but i just find that people get spirit messages in such a variety of ways um, as dan was saying we put a premium on like clairvoyance or channeling um, but there are so many other valid ways to get in touch with spirit we don't want to deny uh, what is most natural what is most easy for all parties exactly and that includes spirit parties as you were yeah. saying uh, Ouija boards and uh, receiving, I don't know what this message is coming from. Mm -hmm. Part of that may also be the ease of communication for spirit. Uh, We talk about this a lot because we get a lot of questions about the Ouija board. And people say like, oh, I have these negative experiences where the board like, you know, has mean things to say. And that may actually happen sometimes. Sure, sure. It might be the intent you bring, the expectation. But some of it may simply be 
you know, when you're swearing, that's an emotional thing generally. Yeah. And we know that generating emotion helps create manifestation and spirit communication. So it may simply be that's what's coming through because the spirit is just really frustrated and right. doesn't want to talk to you through a Ouija board because who does that? Right. right. And, and I love how you're, how you're touching on that. And that's what I, I was trying to tell people too. It's like, look, I'm not saying that there may be a spirit there that does manipulate it, but you guys are assigning way too much power to this tool. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that's where I go with it with the people. I said, listen, you know, it, it could be that someone's directing you. And like you said, if you get something negative, but you know, if you're making bad life decisions and you've been doing that all your life, which when I investigate and talk to people who've had these stories and folks, please hear me clearly on this. It turns out nine times out of 10 that they've been making bad life decisions for a long time before they got a Ouija board in their hands. It had nothing to do with that. They, they have caused, we all have bad things that happen in our life. And we could have a debate and argument all day long about whether there's bad entities and bad spirits that do things and manipulate us and handle things. Okay, that's a whole nother show. But I just tell everybody too, it's like, well, let's remember also that you guys initiated an open door to communicate. So if something was connected and was really paranormal and it seemed to be negative and it was doing things, I need to sit down with you and we need to explore further because it's nothing to do with that board. I think you did something without realizing, you know, what the consequences were, realizing what you were doing, mm -hmm. not having somebody there who probably knows what to do in case this happens. And, and like I said, I wanted to qualify that because I'm not saying everybody is crazy because they feel something negative has happened by using any of these tools, but I'm okay with groups using them um, on investigations, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or doing whatever. Cause like I said, you could do it with tea leaves and tea and you could do it with throwing a rock over your shoulder. So you go to the left for yes and go to the right for, for no. So I don't know. I didn't mean to get off track. I just, like I said, I, I intent is everything for me excuse me. And a lot of the shows set me off too, because they come in there instantly wanting to, you know, really get somebody upset in order to provoke a response. I may, I may throw out emotional questions, uh, Dan and Kat, but I definitely don't come in there and start calling names. And, you know, I come in like I'm walking in someone's home and I, I ask them to communicate and I tell them I'm not here to judge them or to move them out. I'm here just to communicate and see if I can help you. And, why, why are things going on with these people? And what, you know what I mean? What's the interaction? And cause I've, I've found through some cases, maybe you guys can attest to this too, that, you know, I've, I think I've dealt with people who were a-holes when they were alive. I've said this on many shows and they're still hanging out and they're still an a-hole <laughs> and uh, they don't want people to be happy in the house. And even if it's a family member, you know, it happens. Yeah, it's a um, if consciousness is surviving, then there is some element of the personal identity that survives and also the places we're at to receive and interpret those messages. Uh, we often find spirits can be very needy and sometimes that neediness can be motivated from a good space. Maybe that spirit looks back and says, oh, man, I was an a-hole during my life. But in that desperation for some kind of absolvance, some kind of um, connection and forgiveness, uh, it can put a strain on parties that aren't ready to deal with that. They aren't ready to let, you know, their absentee father back into their life. So I would ask you this, and you guys are, you know, you do the seance thing. Um, are you a traditional seance? I mean, do, have you followed the art, you know, from the spiritualists or is it kind of a new wave procedure or something you picked up from somebody who mentored you in this? Mm, I love this question. Um, we have experience. We have ex 
experimented with a lot of different techniques, but we definitely drew a lot from the spiritualists. Excellent. Um, yeah. And and I think if you were to come into our seance today, you would say it was very traditional. But we do put um, some modern spin on some of the communication techniques just to make it more effective, to make it more streamlined. For, interest, for instance, we don't use a Ouija board. Um, instead, we use a glass moving on a table. Mm -hmm. And we'll set up tarot cards so that people can get symbolic messages. And I find that it's a lot, it's a lot quicker to receive messages. It's a lot easier from, for all parties. And it has, it works the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we try essentially to approach this in a, to borrow some religious terminology, a non-traditional, a non-denominational way. Oh. I love uh, that. Yeah. The spiritualist movement, we have a ton of respect for, and they really, the work that was done by that community is incredible and impressive. Right, right. However, it is very much plugged into a kind of Christian wall that it's plugged into that viewpoint. Yeah. And not everyone yeah. is ready for that kind of spirit no. interaction. No. Not no. everyone's ready to go and sing hymns and appeal to you know Jesus or um, the Christian kind of concept of the afterlife. Mm -hmm. uh, so we try to uh, bring this into what we just call a ritual space where you bring your own, um, you know, your own deities, your own spirits, uh, the things Beliefs. you, your own beliefs, and we'll help you as best we can to plug it into your uh, your wall of power, your consciousness, and get results that way. So, for example, if we have a seance and we're trying to contact a um, spirit of someone who is Catholic in life, of course, we're going to use Catholic iconography. We're right, going to have Mary right. there. We're going to have the saints. We're not going to bring out a statue of Baphomet, right? Like, that's not what we're going to <laughs> but we do. But we almost spit my coffee. Yeah, yeah. That was a great, great symbolism there. Exactly. Right, I got I to gotta, I gotta ask this question. All right. During your seances, now we're going to go old school spiritualist, all right? Okay. Because. I've done a lot of research on that stuff because Athens, Ohio is actually founded by, you know. So do you use musical instruments to try to communicate with them as well? Mm, that's a great question. Sometimes we do if they're available. And especially if someone has like a contact with uh, the spirit that they're trying to communicate with was a noted musician. Uh, if we get like someone who is a blues player or something. We'll have some instruments there. We'll see, will something happen? That being said, we're not going to sit around in the dark and have trumpets and banjos fly around the room. Oh, this yeah. isn't a magic show. <laughs> we keep yeah, forgetting yeah. to say that we don't we don't have seances in the dark. Yeah. And some people are surprised about that. Right. Um, it's because just sort of light lighting, um, not, I'm sorry, not light. Candlelight or Candle dim light. Dim light. Yeah. yeah. Because sometimes yeah. you do get very, if a spirit has a strong connection to particularly a musical instrument, and again, we're plugging into emotion here. Mm -hmm. Music is very emotional. Uh, generally, people's connection to it is very emotional. Yeah. What comes through? We're fascinated by that. Um, and sometimes we get some interesting phenomena, never really a full song, maybe just uh, something brushes across the strings or um, yep. plucks a piano key. Yeah, we've had that. We've been in another room, in a ballroom, and, and pianos in the other room. And I'd seen it on show, and I, I told my wife, said, well, I can't disbelieve that because you were there with us when that happened when we were, mm -hmm. you know, at a mansion. And there was nobody in there. And, and, of course, the case is closed over the keys. But we clearly heard two 
not a scale, but two notes being hit on the piano very loudly, even, even wow. recorded it. So it is possible. I like a couple of things that you guys are doing here. Not that you need my approval, but I, <laughs> I, I just want you to know that um, like before it. we take the break, I wanted to tell you that um, because, you know, you're, you're also mixing a lot of the metaphysical along aside with what some of the spiritualists were using and people don't realize that again there's even again there's an appellation and an old world connection with some of their process as well you know mm -hmm. i like the fact that you you've got some lighting going on because like you said cat you don't want to give the feeling or the aspect this is like you know when houdini was out exposing everyone and people were because unfortunately there were those people who were operating in that circle but spiritualists do a lot of great work and mm -hmm. i'm going to back that with you because my great grandfather was one and my grandmother that's how i think i've got this i say that gift cat i don't i, I don't know explains a lot that really does explain <laughs> it does. a lot it does <laughs> Explains my demons anyway, but, you know, being, being serious, hearing, like you said, too, that, you know, you, you experimented on your own cat is beautiful because we all should be doing that. Anybody that mm -hmm. operates in the paranormal should experiment with certain things and ways to try to get reactions or to collect evidence, if you will. My late friend, Jason Sullivan, who we've got a page up to him on our podcast, uh, that's something that he believed in. You know, come up with your own theories, experiment, find ways that work for you that you're able to collect and to then offer to people to make, you know, their own judgment uh, within certain parameters. But uh, stay with us, uh, everybody. And uh, Dan, Cat, please stay with us. And I love <laughs> I love that name, Cat. We've got a couple of friends who are, they're Kathy's or Catherine, and they go by Cat. So Dan, you a Catherine? Dan. Dan. I'm just Cat. Just cat. I love it. Yes, Damn, yes, sir. A bit. My brown nosing. I, I need to pull yeah, out a bit. A okay. Bit. Yeah. 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 You need no, to, I love these people. They're great. Uh, you guys stay with us, and and Elmer, you too. <laughs> stay with us. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> we've had a history where we get a bad signal, and then all of a sudden Elmer's gone. So yeah, um, like poof. <laughs> we're we're taking a quick break, everybody. You're on the uh, I want to believe radio sheer show. I, there is nothing in this coffee, folks. You can't uh, see this, you know but there's what? nothing bull. in this coffee. I call. I call bull. It's it's the wheels moving faster than my mouth. Uh, everybody, uh, you're listening to us on the one and only Unrestricted Radio. That's right. You're here with us Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, just do yourself a favor. Go over and un you know, uh, just download the app. Uh, have a great time. There's a lot of great rock and roll and shows on here. Uh, you know, we got Monica Lee with her sex talk and rock and roll. We've got Tyler who does his church show on Sundays, which isn't really church, but it's church of the mind and the soul with music. Uh, we've got every first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got everything from, uh, I mean, big band, rock and roll, punk metal. Uh, we're, we're doing it uh, on unrestricted radio. And of course, Sunday nights, you get to listen to me, Elmer and Bob, uh, do our thing. Uh, we appreciate you being, being here and exclusively folks. Go to the Michigan69podcast.com. If you open that up, you'll see our network. Uh, you will find this show up there as well. And we have great paranormal programming on there, too, as well as many pages to some of our friends and neighbors. We will mention our sponsors uh, here before we get into a break with some PSAs and music. But we'd like to thank Henderson Castle, hendersoncastle.com. Uh, Francois Moyer is a Frenchman turned American. Uh, he is a brother of mine, not only in Masonic Lodge, but we, we love each other dearly. And he owns an 1895 bed and breakfast here in downtown Kalamazoo, built by Frank and Mary Henderson. Look their name up. You will be amazed at who these people were. Uh, and it's just a great place. And you can come there once a month if you desire to. 
And yours truly here will give you a haunted ghost tour along with the dinner of the castle. And I want to tell everybody this isn't a Savannah ghost tour where I'm going to tell you all sorts of wild, crazy stories. But there are paranormal things that happen there. And I even have photo and audio evidence for you to Ooh, listen I got to. A question. I got a question. I got one question. Yes. You said dinner was um, provided. Are you cooking it? No, that is... Uh, that is the owner. Uh, we don't want to cause deaths, Elmer. We want people to come there to explore the other side. I was figuring this is how you was getting ghosts. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, how you get yeah, ghosts. Killing people yeah. off with my cooking. No, <laughs> Francois, a celebrated chef, uh, he had actually uh, cooked and worked for Princess Diana uh, at one time and also the Bush family. So he uh, he knows what he's doing. He puts together a great meal. Our other sponsor, as uh, Elmer alluded to, uh, when we got started or off here, I don't remember, but uh, you see me wearing the hat. You guys do. Uh, Gun Barrel Coffee. You've had the rest. Drink the best. Gun Barrel Coffee out of Batavia, Illinois. It's damn good coffee for a damn good cause. It is owned and run by veterans. It is roasted by the veterans. Proceeds from sales of that coffee go to help many veteran organizations from Wounded Warrior uh, on down the line. And another one that I know that Elmer has looked into and I'm passionate about, which is a, a program called Till Valhalla. Uh, it's 22 a day campaign. We lose 22 veterans a day, uh, unfortunately, to suicide. And we really want to make a, a dent in, in helping these folks out so that we do not have that. That's both men and women. Uh, you know, it doesn't affect uh, either or. It doesn't choose. Uh, all right, everybody stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. I'll be back for more with everybody right after this. Make 
you awesome music lovers are listening to Unrestricted Radio. Check out Unrestricted Radio at unrestrictedradio.com and download the Unrestricted Radio app today. Unrestricted Radio. We play the bands that other radio stations should be playing. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Well, I've been afraid of changing Cause I've built my life around you Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive.
course, uh, we are back. We do not go anywhere. I sit here and we look at each other on the monitors, but you went somewhere and hopefully you got yourself a, a cold drink or as my friend uh, Derek Beery on Vice Grip Garage, give him a shout out. Uh, you know, uh, you guys went and got yourself a cold snack. And if you didn't, you can have some coffee. I'm drinking Gun Barrel Coffee right now. Uh, we're here with the Eckharts and um, I am fascinated uh, by these two people, uh, the younger folks. I mean, they're younger than me, so I can say that. Uh, <laughs> you know, at, 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 at well, of course you are. At fifty-eight, everybody's younger than I am. Um, so, what uh, was it like the ghost hunt on the Mayflower? I just want to know. Well, um, <laughs> quarters were cramped. Sanitation was awful. Uh, I bet it was. Like, my question is, like, how many ghosts was on it? Like. I mean, I'm not talking about your love life. I'm talking about, you know. He needs ouch. help. He needs help, ouch. folks. It's all good. Ouch. He's all he's right. out I'm, he's I'm out sorry. on the road by himself for hours. These are things that he <laughs> he thinks about. No, things that no, we ain't talking about that. <laughs> yeah, we better not. So Eckhart's are with us. We got Kat and Dan with us. Uh, these folks are medium and, and occult uh, uh, personalities and, and I think probably specialists or I don't like using the term expert. I mean, I, I'm okay with it, but, uh, you know, you guys operate in, on different things other than what I do. Um, let's talk about not being afraid of spirit encounters. We, we touched on that a bit uh, when we were talking about investigation and I shared that most of what I've encountered has been more of a world of wonderment and actually love and a great experience than it has been nasty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we find that spirit communication can be a really helpful tool in knowing that you are not alone um, in some sort of knowledge that your consciousness will persevere after death and to know that you're connected with your loved ones beyond death it has been really helpful to know that I can cultivate this kind of team of spirits or, I don't know, connection to the world, I guess, mm -hmm. as well, um, to help me with my daily life, to help me live my life better. Um, yeah, when we speak about spirits that come through for people, what we find in our readings and our um, facilitation is that most of the spirits that come through want X person sitting with us or in attendance to have some kind of success. They want us to go further than they did. They want us to achieve more. And they may not always understand exactly, you know, the choices we make in our life, but they really, particularly ancestors that are well, that have adapted to this other plane, whatever that plane may be, want our very best. They want our intention. And one of my favorite um, modern occultists said that creating a relationship with ancestors is some of like the best luck magic one can do because they do push for you in some ways. They do kind of, uh, at the very least, at a, at a conscious level or a, um, a subconscious level, like giving you support when necessary. Uh, that can be really comforting. Mm, yeah. So we like to focus on not just the scary things, mm -hmm. but the things that actually help people and historically have helped people since, I don't know, yeah. time. No, that's true. And there's a real element um, of this work where when we're doing an investigation or when someone is having a, a, a hair-raising paranormal experience, as someone who grew up with a lot of them, yeah. looking back 
I probably made that situation far worse because I didn't know what it was. Yeah, it's a reaction, a right? Yeah, we see this a lot with poltergeist phenomena when someone has, you know, a low level kind of like haunting experience, or maybe it is, you know, a relative, a deceased loved one showing up, things are getting moved around, and then someone, often well meaning, says it might be demons, and then everything goes off the wall. Now, sometimes literally it goes off the wall. Right, so, right. It, like the scratching, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that Bob and I have discussed for years that we don't know what happens when they reach out or there's a form of, of tried communication. Um, I, I got a feeling off you, Kat, like maybe you've, have, you've had an incident uh, like that where you've had a scratch and you weren't sure at first what the scratches were. Uh, I could be off. And if it hasn't happened, maybe it's something that you're going to experience. But I, I forgive me for picking up on that. I don't, I don't do it to do it without permission. And, and Dan, I think you've had an incident where maybe where your glasses might have been uh, jarred or, or maybe knocked off oh, as well. Oh, so I, I tell people that, you know, when you've had these experiences, we don't know that it's not it's not necessarily evil or bad. Like you guys were telling folks, you know, we don't know what happens frailing wise when people are trying to reach out and communicate. But was I was I on target and in a neighborhood there with you guys? Um, so very interestingly, we have some scratches in our floor mm-hmm. that we found um, okay. and we assembled the it was in our it is in our bedroom currently. Yeah. So we assembled our bed and didn't notice it. But then a few weeks into living here, we found hi etched into the ground. What the heck? Wow. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> and very how do you, weird. How do you really process that? So you kind of step back and you say, okay, this is what I know. Mm-hmm. And this could be something that, you know, literally, again, taking that kind of skeptical tack, maybe okay. something, I don't know how, something would have literally it. scratched something on the floor underneath the bed, but maybe it did. Maybe, you know, maybe we just didn't notice it. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. Or maybe it is a communication. Right. And sometimes people will dwell on that and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. turn that into something uh, mm-hmm. that might not be the most beneficial. Oh, what yeah. Th- then they're running out there and making a movie like Paranormal Activity, which I was good with, folks, with most of no. the things that were happening until no, they showed man. the demon hooves and all no, the other crazy man. stuff. Crazy. No. Because I no, I, I got to tell you, because there was a lot that has that, that happened. That was a lot the, of horse shit. <laughs> well, I'm sure you guys saw it, but you know, it's there's a lot up to the point that things had happened like that to me at investigations, mm-hmm. like the door slamming, and mm-hmm. you know, but nothing pulling me out of bed. I've had something sit on the bed, but you know, when they got into the other stuff, and like someone's going to get possessed and someone's going to murder someone, and my wife was so mad. She's like, "Why do you got to ruin movies for me?" It's like because I know where this is going. They can't mm-hmm. just keep it on a paranormal. Level they got to go crazy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interject, but go ahead. What about the glasses, Dan? What happened with your glasses? Oh yeah, um, they they seem to be a magnet for that kind of thing. Uh, okay. When we are having a um, a particular yeah well. keys as well a particularly involved <laughs> right. session, they do tend to spring off, and occasionally, again, that might just be animated movement. Um, you know, seances can be active sometimes, and I mean that physically. Like I often are moving to participants because they're emotional. And so if a guest is having an emotional experience, I might be trying to get to them. Uh, Unfamiliar terrain often in these cases, whether it be a home or a theater setting or a venue, like a haunted location, uh, you know, you can brush up against things and sometimes you're just talking and boom, they're gone. And it's like, well, what was that? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had that. Yeah. Yeah, we find that it's best to tell people, and we say this at the beginning of all of our seances, 
Simply catalog what's going to happen. Don't try right. and attach too much meaning to it right now. We have time for that later. Excellent. For now, just catalog it, mostly because it helps keep the emotion level down somewhat and helps us to not um, steer the events as opposed right. to letting the events steer themselves. God, I love you guys. Yes, okay. exactly. Got, yes. Okay, I got to ask this. Since we're talking about seances again, we're talking about the physicality of everything. All right. Now, I know... God, it's been a few years since we did Lloyd Arbuck, but all right. So this question is this, have you ever had any ectoplasm incidences? No, we have not. So we have not had physical manifestation. Of I have theories though. Yes. Cat has had spirit masking occur. And some people would say that's ectoplasm. Both of us don't yeah. really think it is. That's probably something more optic, but regardless. Yeah. I mean, I've only had it happen like one time and it was on an investigation and it was like an old haunted tunnel and I put my hand against the wall mm. and it was like snot. I mean, it was yeah. just like pure nasty snot. And I was just like, I looked at my buddy because it was just him and me. I was like, dude, you're nasty. He was like, what? <laughs> and I was amazing. like, and I shined the light on my hand. It was like, he was like, oh my God, is that what I think that is? I was like, yeah, I got slimed. I mean, <laughs> there was nothing else I could say, but I mean... I know in Germany, there was a, like a lot of, you know, movement forward with that in the last few years, but I haven't heard anything for a long time, but I just had to ask that. Well, cause they're using the spiritualist terminology, which, you know, they, it, that's a really, that's a heated kind of debate still, I think in certain communities, because I've been to stuff too, Elmer, like you said, where people don't realize with a lot of the woods and woodworking and shellacking and things that have gone on and these buildings and places, scientific end of this for me is that this stuff will secrete sticky goo and things. And people are like, like Dan has said, you know, they'll take it and, and, and you know, they do run with it. Right. Dan, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll be like, Oh God, you know, uh, the walls are bleeding. And like you, Elmer, you know, it could have been a real event because I've heard of cases where there's been unexpected fluids just showing up and nobody really knows they analyze it and they still don't really know what it is which i yeah. find fascinating and just strange but it doesn't mean it's bad or evil it's just no. a, a weird thing you know maybe it's mm -hmm. residue from energy transference who knows i don't know maybe i'm getting crazy well and maybe it um is something that again depends on the openness of the individual mm -hmm. like for me i there are certain things in the realm of this work that i have trouble sitting with there are certain things that I say, I, I just, that smells too strongly of a certain type of uh, fakery or what have you. Right. And I can think in my own materialist mind of a million different ways that maybe that's something else. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not. However, if it were to manifest, if spirit were to show me ectoplasm, would I be receptive to that? I don't really know. I might just yeah. disregard it out of my own kind of prejudice. I understand that. I understand what you're saying. And and I and I will get back on some other questions real quick, but you touched on, you know, like the fakery, you know, you guys operating in what you do. Um, I'm like you in the mindset too, that I, that's the one thing I can't stand. And we know, you guys know this too. You've probably been to the conferences and you've met groups and you've met people. Uh, we, I guess I wanted to touch on that a little bit here, not to bring mm -hmm. it down to a negative tone uh, on the podcast, but we, we touch on this every time we have a guest that, you know, we've come across that. I, I had friended some people who were in groups. And then when I saw some things or found out some things, you know, and came across some things on my own, I was a little disheartened because there are folks out here 
who are making a buck on this. They've turned it into like a carny show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same right, those who may want to do this for a living and want to, you know, get paid for their services or get paid to be at the cons, which I'm all for. I'd love to do that too. You know, I've actually been paid to be a speaker at a few things and I took that happily. Uh, I don't begrudge anybody for doing that, but it was the fake stuff I couldn't stand, you mm-hmm. know, telling people all sorts of wild stories. And, you know, then when they're busted out, everybody else is the evil person and, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it's got to be more prevalent in what you guys are doing because, you know, you really want people to take you at your word. And I can only imagine how hard you fight uh, to keep your integrity and keep that in a place where it needs to be. I don't know that we fight very hard. Um, I guess the our approach is so centered around just have the experience mm-hmm. come and we'll build the space and we'll facilitate the seance and just right. have the experience. I don't know how other people are like talking about their work, but we never say, oh, this is definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. We right. say we set up all these tools. We engage in them together so that things may happen. Exactly. And that's, I think, is the advice we give people when people ask, do you want to work with a medium? Do you want to go and get a psychic reading? Uh, How do I know this person's legit or not? Right, Uh, right. Ultimately, we want to make sure that the people who come to work with us are empowered to do this on their own. And they don't feel like they have to engage in a relationship with us to keep having that contact. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is the most easy way to separate someone who's doing this, hopefully with the best of intent and with a legitimacy as opposed to someone who is kind of creating their own miniature cult, uh, which is if someone tells you that you're that they are the only way you can speak to your grandmother or that they are the only way that you can reveal the se- that you can find the, the truth or the secrets of the universe or what have you, that's someone to avoid. Um, in my opinion, because I've seen that too much. No, no. And, and you saying the way you're saying it, Dan, I can tell you've already had exposure to that just as I have. And you're just like, man, you know, nobody has, if they're giving you absolutes like that, then walk the other way because none of us have been to the other side and come back with videotape or a hand signed document from Christ or whoever's over their mind in the dead. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I hate to put it in, in, in comedy terms, but, you know, it reaches an ass nine level where you have to just go, guys, you know, I, I don't offer that up. And I'm glad to hear you guys are the same way. And I wasn't, Kat, I, I hope you didn't think I was inferring anything. I was just wondering how you guys yeah. deal when I maybe you've come across, you've seen other people doing that kind of thing. And they're working in that same area you're working in because as a paranormal investigator, I've had to deal with that. And I've had to say, hey, we're not all fakes and you know, the TV show guys, they, if you come out with me or if you sit down and talk with me, you'll get to see that it's a little more complicated and a little more, I, I hold my integrity on what I do very high. Exactly. I think it's easy to, um, it's easy sometimes to get caught up in the conversation, especially around seance, uh, yeah. given its history, given, I know we mentioned Houdini, uh, he always comes up <laughs> because there is a real, um, there was a real pop culture moment there. Seances yeah. were popular culture. Houdini oh, yeah. had a yeah. um, his own agenda with all of that as well. Yep. And I'm yep. not saying he didn't uh, expose, uh, you know, frauds and uh, predatory individuals, but we have to hold these things in tension, and also recognize that sometimes people can be misquoted, uh, people yep. can be uh, misattributed. Sometimes individuals just, uh, you know, aren't willing to give the benefit of the doubt to someone. 
Yeah. And that's okay. That's part of the work, right? Um, I like oh, what you it, said. It is. And Elmer knows all too much about that too. Elmer's discussed that and we've talked about it. And Elmer's, Elmer knows who I'm referring to. Uh, you know, there's people out there that they think it's a quick way to make a buck and they'll just tell people whatever they want to hear. And in the long run, sometimes it harms you and me and others who are really trying to do good work out here because we want people to have, I really want people to have these paranormal, uh, paranormal experiences. Um, and I'll tell you why, folks, because I think it's going to open you up more to the creation of the universe and really understand just how small you are in the speck of things out here. And you've got to open your mind up. I'm not saying to the most ridiculous things in the world. I'm just saying open up your mind, have the experience, don't deny it, and see where this leads you. Maybe there's a message there for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe you do have a family member who's trying to communicate. And as you said earlier, guys, um, you know, what I, in my lecture, I tell people, what would be so wrong with your family member being, you know, having a gift that they can watch their kids and their grandkids grow up and be there and, and maybe having an influence on occasion and doing things in your life that bring good things to you. That's like a guardian angel. And maybe that's something, a gift that we're all going to be able to get or until maybe we go into a different life because I'm kind of a believer in that too. Maybe there's a period where we get to be that that guardian angel for our family. Um, and I find that beautiful. I, I tell people, stop being so afraid of that, that experience. Uh, maybe that's what's going on too. I don't know. I'm just taking a wild guess in the dark. Mm -hmm. That, yeah, that really um, speaks to our beliefs on that as well. I got to ask something of Kat. And if I get too personal, please, you know, let me know because we're, we're, and this is pre-recorded so I can kind of take it out, you know, um, is, are there times that you feel that you've been channeled and, um, because I had a feeling like you've had a channeling experience and I wondered if Dan had seen something like that and like your eyes change, um, like they would almost get dark, but you know, it's not an evil thing. It's just, they, they kind of change color or they get dark and then you're able to channel and, and communicate. Have you ever had things like that or are you open to it? Um, I am open to it to some extent. Um, I do want to be safe when it comes to channeling. Right. And right. I am not as willing to step in it as I am willing to step into the clairsentience, the clairaudience. Um, however, when I am starting to feel a strong connection, um, sometimes this isn't every time, but sometimes I do have kind of blurred vision and I kind of wonder if it's just, I'm listening so intently, I'm feeling so okay. intently. Right, right. Um, but people do say that my face changes, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure how to explain that. Obviously, I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, and please forgive me. Please don't be mad at me if if I maybe you feel like again I'm I'm reading you without permission or you just you I'm you are fine. very it's you're ra you you are radiating a lot. You are very uh, <laughs> strong with your aura. Uh, Dan is too. Dan's a little protected. I can kind of. It's rare that I get this when I have a guest on here, but I feel things from him too. Uh, mm. You know, some personal things, but. Um, you know, uh, I just wanted to ask that because I had a, a perception that something goes on, you know, and um, once or twice when we were talking, I almost saw your face do some things and I'm not being weird. It's just that, I don't know, it just looked different to me. And I thought, well, maybe somebody's in touch with her right now. I don't know. I don't, I sound like a looney tune, but I'm just saying. 
<laughs> it's the face dancing. <laughs> it's the face dancing. That's what I used I, to call I'm going to use that. I love that. I love that term. It's from so, June. So what's this about? It says secret and awesome feminist and abolitionist history of seance movement. I mean, yeah. what's what's the connection there? That kind of threw me off. Yeah. So we, we talked about this a little bit already. Um, this idea of like Appalachian folk magic, right. conjure, right. that stuff being very workaday and very rooted in like the everyday lived experience. And there is a component of that specifically within the history of seance where you have individuals, in this case, women functioning as mediums, who uh, spiritualism for all of the criticism that some might, someone might have for it was one of the first formats for women to have a religious authority or religious authority experience. Right. And the messages they've received from spirits, if we look historically, aren't just grandpa, grandma, dad, mom are here for you. There's also messages coming through from spirit regarding giving uh, women suffrage or the abolitionist movement or um, unions and, uh, you know, breaking up national train monopolies. Like these are things that you wouldn't really expect right. the spirits to care about. And yet they, on the other hand, you would because they're very work a day. They're very um, practical, right? right. And there's a practicality right. and a core practicality relevance. to seance and relevance that uh, exists to this day. I think. And, people, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I, that part I get. I think that was the part I kind of got from that because you know how many of how many presidents past and probably in the future have had women way before women had the vote that had people you know doing the same thing, talking with spirits and and giving them messages. I mean, I think there's been quite a few men in power, uh, like I said, presidents included, as you said who were there doing seances and telling them, Hey, spirits are telling you to do this, or here's what you need to watch out for. And that becomes more and more exposed every time we're reading more and more histories. And mm -hmm. I find that just amazing. You know, women are powerful folks. I say this on my big dog show. Women are very powerful creatures. They, <laughs> they are very dynamic. Uh, they mature faster than men, whether you like to hear that or not uh, being raised by a woman, I can tell you a lot of different views that I have. But uh, just amazing. And most, the, I feel this way that most of the people that, again, I'll say a gift that seem to have this mediumship or this gift or be, are able to communicate because all my girls have it. I'm the only man since my great grand grandfather mm -hmm. to have it apparently uh, within the family. Now, my, yeah. son, my son shared yesterday that he's having things and he doesn't want to have things. And I told him, just let it happen, man. It's, it, it, there's nothing to be afraid of. But you women seem to be the majority like with that abolitionist, you seem to be the majority of to have this this gateway. This, I don't know. You're amazing. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that that is a thing? Hmm. Because men want to sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, right. right. I I don't know, but but research has shown like it's easier to find female mediums, even female psychics. Um, when you're trying to do research, and I've looked at some recent studies based out of IONS, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, and almost all of the participants um, that they are able to verify for their studies on psychics and mediumship have been women. And they, you know, we can only theorize. Um, there's, of course, this like longstanding 
stereotype do i say about women being more connected to their intuition women exactly. being more right. in tune with themselves yep. um, with their emotions even with their bodies which can be a good way to get messages from spirit sometimes um i i think that adds up it adds yeah. up on our side no that's that's excellent yeah i i the intuition connection you made there, it, yeah, I've, I've, I've looked into some of those studies and I've told people the same thing too. I have a lot of women that were in my crew, you know, for a while. And I like that because they had a lot more intuition than some of us did on some cases. And it was either that motherly thing that kicks in or it's mm -hmm. just, just an, a, a thing. You know, they were more sensitive. Um, I think we're all great tools. I, I try to tell everybody too which I will ask you next, you know, about, you know, anybody being able to have, you know, to do this or to open themselves up to being a very sensitive individual um, because your body's one of the best tools you have because you will be able to regulate temperature changes and energy changes in a room. Uh, if I'm to believe anything about what's going on on the other side, uh, to put it a science aspect, just only in words to be able to kind of understand it or explain it, we all know that we're made of, you know, our consciousness included, I believe, is all made up of energy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a way to tap into that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, men and especially people in the United States are very disconnected with the body as a tool for knowing. Um, and like, I think, many things, intuition and that trust that you develop in yourself is like a muscle. You can develop it. You can learn to trust yourself. This yeah, and I and I know some men who are tools. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't hold back on that. I was waiting and waiting for you to get done so I could just throw that I out. I don't know why I, you gotta be talking about pirates for. I don't know. Yeah, the pirates. No, I agree with you, Kat. In all seriousness, I agree with you 100%. I, I, I find a lot of men, like I said, Shane, you know, he feels that he's so cut off, but then like I said, when he's having experiences and I'm watching it, I have to remind him, it's like, I'm seeing you having the experience. You're just denying it for some reason. I don't, I don't know why you shut it off. I, I just will never understand that. And this is why when we like, when people come to us with questions about how they can tap into this or develop their own ability or develop their own natural gift, we often point to doing things that are very low stake with it. So start with if you're going to start with a pendulum, which is my personal favorite, I think it's externalized, it's very easy to use, ask simple questions that you have no stake in. Because we often like say, oh, trust your gut. And then we trust it like at the worst possible time when we oh, have yeah. to make like a decision whether to quit our job or not. It's like, well, I'm gonna go with my gut. Don't do that, start with something small. Ask the pendulum questions about like where your keys are in your house, what element of, what area in your life you might want to, to uh, pay special attention to or work on. Ask yes or no questions that maybe you know the answer to. Like things where you can kind of train, what does it feel like when the pendulum is moving because it's my body? What does it feel like when the pendulum's moving because it's a spirit? What does it feel like when the spirit is right versus when the spirit's wrong? Because sometimes we get bad inputs. So now, now when you Now, when you practice with that, Dan, Kat, um, are you guys... Do you do like you both? You do both like you hold it, but you also place it so no one's touching it. Because we we've done some experiments, and I I'd rather we place it on a table where we obviously have no movement on the floor, or table, or anything. So to me, 
I'm just saying to me, there's no inflection that there could be slight body movement or anything that would direct it. And I've, I've seen amazing results. So I'm a guy that puts something into that too, if something directs that and moves it. You know, if you say, hey, uh, and maybe it's us, Dan, maybe it's us who are causing that energy for it to change, or it is true spirit communication, because I've wondered that too. But, you know, I've said, hey, well, can you stop going left to right? Can you now go up and down? And it starts and it, it's done that. It's been, it's been weird. And then other times it just sits there. We get yeah. nothing. We get nothing. So sometimes we'll, we'll generally do both. When we have a seance, we have pendulums, which are okay. isolated on a table where no one's right. at to see what moves independently. And then we'll also use them as an extension of ourselves, because if they're acting as an amplifier and the medium literally is the, the truest extent of that word, a medium, right. Um, right. maybe that movement is your body but it's a subtle movement that's influenced by spirit. So like, you know, when Kat feels something touch her hand or her left or her right hand, that's maybe more an exaggerated or a, a very developed form of spirit interaction, as opposed to when someone, you know, asks a question and the pendulum moves a certain way, might be a, the spirit subtly influencing their body. So we wanna hold both, but we're again, cataloging and then later looking back and seeing, is there meaning here? Is this noise? Um, and moving with that intuition. Yeah, and that wasn't a setup, you know, with the question. That's one of my out-of-the-box questions because I wanted to see if you guys, you know, cover, you know, and you, I, again, I love you. I, I mean this. You, you, no, you know your business because you're, you're, you're explaining exactly what the possibilities are of, you know, having that, you know, held. And, um, you know, you ask some other people, again, that I've encountered out there, they, they, it's an avoided question. You know, um, it just, that's the way it is. And if you don't believe that's your problem, but I, again, I appreciate your candor and your honesty in that and what you, you know, the, there's, there's no deflection of, of what it is you think's happening. This is, you're offering up possibilities. So I, again, I, I want to offer another compliment. Again, you guys are experimenting <laughs> and you're using theory and that's what we should be doing in, in this field, no matter what it is. Um, so what about the death positivity movement? What is what is that question about? Mm. Uh, well, being that we work with seances, being that we work with communicating with mm -hmm. uh, people who are no longer living in the way that we understand that, we also find that we are creating experience for people to encounter death in a very visceral way, in a new way. And we didn't originally start doing seances out of the desire to further the death positivity movement, which is all about um, ending the stigma surrounding talking about death, um, engaging with the concept of death, engaging with the concept of your own death. But after doing seances for some time, we realized it's, it's completely unavoidable because people are coming to seances and actually having these experiences with um, discarnate spirits, experiences with trying to reach beyond what they understand in the material world. And people are really starting to engage death in a new way. And so we had to sort of understand what that means. And our goal around the seance is to, well, part of, not our whole goal, because we have lots of goals, but um, to help people to engage with the concept of death in a really safe way, right. in a way that they're comfortable with and ready to do. 
Um, and the death positivity movement is plugs into that really well. It does. Um, it's hard to talk about death, especially in a culture where, um, you know, we whisk the body away, it's placed uh, in the ground or burned so no one has to look at it. And grieving is a kind of a divorced private thing screen. that's private yeah, yeah. that you don't want to share. Um, there's often in our seance work and our mediumship work, we don't encounter grief in the way that sometimes it's painted on like talk shows where it's like, oh, you're preying on these people who are just overcome and wrapped with grief. It's generally not the case. Generally right. what we find is that people have never, um, they in some cases haven't really begun to grieve. They've put that over in the side. We get a lot of questions like, I just want to make sure my grandma is okay, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that exposes an interesting way we think about death. Um, and I think it plays into our current moment in society as well, where we're having these conversations about transhumanism and um, downloading our consciousness into some kind of computer or something for the sake of our own longevity. When death is a human process, it's part of what makes us who we are. And yeah, so encountering yeah. that in a safe way is important. Yeah, that's the big thing about our humanity is, you know, uh, there's probably more going on after the fact, but that is part, like you said, of, of the cycle of what we are. That's what really bounds us uh, in many good ways, you know, to our humanity, humanity, if we just allow, you know, it to happen. I'm with you, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think a lot of people too, you know, move in that direction more than ever because they actually fear death. They think that, well, is this all that there is? And so when that moment's upon me, I'm not going to be remembered. Everything I've done is going to be lost. There's just this blackness and it's just done. And it does create a lot of fear. Um, I have moments at 58 because I've lost quite a few uh, friends here recently, and Elmer knows that it's been kind of a rough couple of months. Uh, included, we lost one of our friends, Tony. Elmer knew Tony. Tony was a paranormal investigator uh, with Bob, you know, in his group. Tony's a great guy. Now Tony has the answers, but you know, I got thinking about that, and I thought, well, you know, I, just at the time, I think I'm comfortable, guys. Maybe you've encountered this with folks who come to you. Uh, then I all of a sudden had that fear that I don't want it to end yet because. Mm -hmm. I have more I want to do. And then I'm like, I really hope I'm right in all these suppositions and these guesses I'm taking into having a life continue somewhere else as if, if it's not a oneness or a big giant consciousness, or I could still keep my individuality at some point and still kind of be, you know what I mean? Yeah. That just the physical part's over. Maybe people are driven by that. There is a sense of that. And I think there's an encounter when we see the paranormal, as I said in the very beginning, it changes you once you have that experience. Uh, you know things quite aren't the same. Um, once we have that experience with something going on after, you know, after our physical selves, it kind of reframes our relationship to, you know, our friends and family as they exist now, and mm -hmm. also our relationship to spirit. So we often see like spirits, sometimes their messages are very much about being remembered as well. I think that kind of persists. Yeah. Um, it's something that I've tried to be more intentional about since becoming interested in mediumship is where did I come from? What's my genealogy? Where are my ancestors? Where are they from? Like I, Kat, I know you felt the same way on that. Sorry for speaking for you. Oh no. Um, I'm sorry. I have a thought in my head that must uh, do it. Must be spoken. Um, I still find 
death to be scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? yeah. Death is scary. Mm-hmm. My death, my loved one's death, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it does help. It is a comfort to know that there is consciousness that lives beyond, that lives on. And it is a comfort to know that this is a process of death and in some ways rebirth. Mm -hmm. And it is a transformation process. So the seance really has been kind of a comforting thing to us, Mm -hmm. even as we recognize that it is still scary sometimes. Yeah. Very well, very well put young lady. Very well put. And that's really, I hope what people who come to a seance outside of the incredible experience with the liminal outside of this touching up against something else that's very emotional and interesting and just fascinating. I do. I hope that they come away with a sense of knowing that they can speak with other individuals about this, right? Like, part of the death positivity movement, if anyone's ever attended a death cafe, which Kat and I highly recommend, they're often put on by the public library system. They are not grieving support groups. They are simply places for people to go and talk about end of life. So talk about end of life plans, how they want to be buried. There are a lot of different ways you can be buried, which is surprising because we only generally think of two. Um, And just sit with the fact that, yeah, there's um, this is, something that cannot be avoided by any of us. Um, but it oh, doesn't no, we're, we're not getting out of this alive. None of us are. <laughs> <laughs> no, ideally not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it speaks back to, um, I'm sure you guys have looked at this too, you know, in what you do, it speaks back to how it was more of an accepting thing in Victorian times uh, because they had, they had a lot of process and things. That's why cemeteries are actually parks. You know, people, I don't think realize that nowadays. And, you, you know, I know people that still go there and have lunches. Hell, I'll go there and sit and relax and have a lunch. Um, it's a way to remember these people. Anybody that's even a stranger that, hey, your life mattered. You know, you guys built, you know, this and did this and we're here way before I came. And it's important to know, you know, where we came from as to where we're going. And I, I find that a reminder. And also in the old world, you know, as you said, they had so many different traditions and they looked at it so differently, ways that we would think were almost strange and morbid, you know, but it's really not. I mean, it's more of a personal connection to uh, try to remember the ancestors and uh, to put this stuff in a good way. You know, the Victorians had this thing with hair where they would take locks of hair and we've come across that in, in many cases. And I had some of my investigators like, what the heck? And I'm like, hey, this is the thing they did. And I don't find a problem with that. I wish I could have some, you know, a lock of my mom's hair or something to put in a picture mm-hmm. frame and as a memento, because it's it's like a reassurance. You know, it's 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 almost a celebration that her life mm-hmm. has gone on to another existence. But I, I'm with you, Kat. Like I said, I still have that moment. I'm admitting it that I, I still get that moment and you get that that sinking feeling like, man, I'm going to die someday. <laughs> I'm 58, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm thinking I, I really don't want to, but uh, hopefully everything that I'm thinking is really going to be a good thing when it happens. I've, so I'm, I'm glad that you touched that. And I could tell you were emotional about it too, because I get emotional when I try to counsel people uh, on things like that. And they do come to paranormal people at times to want answers much as they do to you guys. And, you know, I just do my best to try to comfort and say, well, you know, I mean, it's a thing that's going to happen. I mean, I I try to, I never try to tell people how to mourn. I don't know if you guys counsel people on that as well, because you tell people you mourn in your own way, but don't, 
I try to tell people, don't do it to a point where I would almost think maybe you're holding that person here because you just don't seem to want to let go in a certain way. Now, I've had people take that very well, and I've had other people not accept that and like that at all. Oh, no. And that's that's very true. Uh, Kat and I, we're not counselors. We're not therapists. We're not right. licensed in any way. Me either. Me either, we, sir. <laughs> yeah, we do definitely uh, try work not with, to give advice. Exactly. We definitely work with therapists and grief uh, counselors and death doulas who we would mm -hmm. happily connect people with when they right. have those right. questions. But it is very personal. And I do. Um, I always want to deflect that to the person who is most adept at handling it. We're simply there to help guide people through an experience. Mm -hmm. An right. ongoing experience. Hopefully. I I've done it unfortunately, gone in that rabbit hole more than once, and and then I like I said I I changed our process to where it's like listen, we find people, we refer them, mm -hmm. but if it's people I've become very close to, and a lot of these clients I have, they've become like family. I'm still in oh, yeah. touch with a lot of them, and we've had some really wonderful relationships. Um, but I, I often said, and uh, Elmer's heard this before, and I, I mean it with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor, but I had to tell my radio host friend who used to have me on a show every year that there are times I went into situations and I turned into the paranormal social worker because mm -hmm. I'm coming from a law enforcement uh, corporate security background. I'm being asked to come in as an outside observer, and I've had to all of a sudden now I realize I went in that rabbit hole and I'm observing things that are going on rather than paranormal. And... I'm giving life coaching lessons, mm. uh, being very honest and upfront. And I, I had to stop doing that. You know, my wife's like, you need to stop because you're trying to take on everybody's problems. You're trying to help everybody because that's, that's part of what you do. And uh, you get, just gave great advice, Dan, because like I said, I finally realized that, hey, I, I, when that starts happening, I got to back out and say, here, I know some people, give them a call. Go yeah. sit down, have some therapy with them, and you know, I'm I, if we were if we were close and relatives or something, then I'll listen all day long. But even that's iffy because I don't like <laughs> a lot of my family. I'm just saying. <laughs> but um, I had another question. Sorry, you had that little awkward moment of pause there. No, um, it's a breath. It is. I talk a mile a minute. I apologize. I've had no. ca I've had caffeine. So. Yes. Um. You guys already said this too, like our ancestors want us to live your best possible life. And um, I've heard that from several people I've had on the show. Uh, I had Robert uh, Riggi on. He he does a lot of work. He's actually was a psychologist, uh, a profiler, and some different things. And I've had a couple other people who do what you guys do in different ways. But they said that same thing too. And so you really stand by that. I mean, you really think that ancestors come through and are really looking out for us and want to want the best that we can have for ourselves and not make the same mistakes. I think so. Um, when we talk about this in a longer format, we usually distinguish between well and exalted ancestors and ancestors that still have some work to do. Mm -hmm. um, but when we're talking about ancestors that want the best for us and want us to flourish and succeed, um, we're talking about our well ancestors, our ancestors that have joined this kind of pool of almost a, a source for us, a source for um, guidance, a source, a source for um, kind of who we are in this world. Oh, okay. We're talking about this pool of uh, spirits that are wanting the best for us. Yeah. Um 
I don't think that very many spirits, at least as far as we've encountered, uh, are explicitly, especially when we're talking about human entities, are explicitly mm-hmm. um, aligned against yeah. anyone. Um, I think what we articulated earlier about like needy spirits or uh, relatives who maybe still have like things that they need to sort out mm-hmm. for themselves can often feel oppressive in that they really want absolution or they really want to make it right. And that's really just, you might not be ready. Sometimes when someone wrongs you, you're just not ready to forgive them, to have a relationship and that's fine. And there are works and um, there are techniques in which you can gain some privacy and some space if you feel Mm -hmm. like that's something that's happening. Um, However, as a general rule, um, the ancestors that come through, relatives, loved ones, do really seem to want the best for you. Um, They may not articulate that in the way that a you might hope, like they might not understand your life choices, uh, but right. the uh, end result is generally one of still being supported. So we can take advantage of that. We can find solace in that. Um, and sometimes it's very tangible. We had an experience where a spirit came through for someone who the spirit uh, was a very Catholic individual, very Catholic spirit. And this granddaughter um, identifies as like a witchy individual, a witch. And they were like, we don't get this. This doesn't jive. However, we notice how happy you are. We notice how much this is helping you move forward. Right. You can continue doing what you need to do to get where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that kind of support is something that a lot of people are looking for. And a lot of people really want to find from their loved ones. And I'm sure the understanding being on the other side, they realize that in the vastness of all the oneness, I guess, because I don't know what else, any other way to put it, um, you know, uh, as long as you're doing something with positivity and you're not hurting, you know, animals or children uh, or yourself, you know, or others, uh, you know, there's no harm, no foul. You know, I'm a guy who believes, you know, with the creator, whether it be male, female or whatever, whatever he, she or it may be. Uh, just me personally, folks speaking, so don't be offended. Um, I, you know, I think it's all loving, all understanding. I think there's a lot that can be forgiven, uh, that can be atoned for, and of course, there's a lot that can't. I think if there's consciousness, just to touch on this for a bit, I think that there's conscious decisions to do, decisions to do, you know, great bodily harm and very horrendous evil things. Then I think there's a special place uh, for those people too. I'm not necessarily a believer in in hell. Uh, but I think there's definitely versions of heaven and, and whatever that is, I guess we'll find out when it's my time. But um, where do you stand on some of that? Have you have you have you guys encountered like angels and, and beings of that? Because you knew this was coming, Dan. I, I know you it. did. Um, have you encountered that and spoke to them? And because mm-hmm. I've asked in, in, in paranormal investigating guys and we've had answers multiple times of yes, that there are angels and God is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we have definitely had some really interesting experiences with that. Oh, do tell. Um, do tell. <laughs> I, I was never someone who was particularly um, compelled by angel stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. in, especially in American uh, Christianity, the evangelical movements and American Catholic movements, uh, angels are kind of a curio, uh, historically speaking. They, yeah. People don't really know what to do with them. <laughs> right. Most biblical scholars don't either. So they're just kind of like, okay, and there are angels. But um, this is where like an occultist perspective, I think, is really valuable. And that's why uh, I asked. Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
we can see these uh, entities, beings, what have you, as I prefer to see them as sources of power. They are things, they, are, they seem to have their own will um, one way or another. And most of them seem to be, from my, again, my personal experience, most of these seem to be uh, passingly interested in humanity, right? Like uh, they provide information. Um, very few of them seem to be dead set against, um, you know, humanity or that sort of thing. Uh, it's, it's complex. It's difficult to talk about. My experience with it, I think, is the most strange in that I recently began doing some research on like what angelic entities I was tied to given my astrological birth time and um, the Lesser Key of Solomon and some of these more angelic focused occult texts. And I found that the three angels which I would be associated with have to do directly with public speaking, with the dead, with uh, mess carrying messages from other people. And I thought that was such an interesting component because here I am having no control over when I was born or when I came into the world. And these three angelic beings are tied to my career and my life and the choices I've made. And I was unaware of that until very recently. Uh, so it is something to, I think that we can experiment with and plug into. There are a lot right. of interesting historical uh, conversations around angels at uh, John Dee and the British empire. Um, a lot of uh, angels being used for treasure hunting in uh, more folkloric texts. Right. But it's not something I think that people need to be terrified of or afraid of. Um, and when they do come through, I think like all things, it's kind of a sense of cataloging and saying this is very interesting. Um, and then letting these things kind of go on their own way. Yeah. And, and I'd often wondered if, you know, it'd be, I guess, a good way to refer to some of those beings as, you know, and they're in, you know, angels, whatever you, you'd like to call them, uh, beings that seem to have, they operate in serendipity. They, they operate mm -hmm. in such a manner that there's not a written plan for you, but they definitely try to help you to guide you or to put things in your way that make better decisions. And then sometimes our own, you know, our own egos, because we, like you said, go with your gut feeling and we end up taking the left turn instead of the right one. But then there's times that you do some of that stuff and we're like, oh man, I, I wish I could go back to when I was 16. Ben. And I said that one time and then I realized and looked around me and said, you know what, had I done that, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had my four kids. I wouldn't have my grandkids. There was a lot of beautiful things that came out of my wrong decision. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple things that happened to me that I tell people might've been some sort of divine intervention. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've viewed in my thought process, cause I've, I've not seen what you've seen. I think obviously I haven't. Um, I don't think I've encountered, you know, these beings and sent, seen anything, but I felt that I never perceived them as, as you said, as, Bibles and, you know, religions and written texts would have us believe. I think it's yeah. more complicated than that. And it's very much different. And that's not to call down anybody's belief or their faith. Yeah. I just think there's more going on. And I loved how you described that. So I, I would definitely, like I said, folks, and Dan, you know, uh, I would put it in a thing where they're just, they're, they want the best for us too. And as I said, they operate more in serendipity and like placing some things that are meant to be and meant to happen. And if you just kind of open yourself up to it, uh, like, you know, when you say you put things out to the universe, asking you shall receive, 
I'm finding to be that more prevalent now than I ever did. And it, me and my wife both made that observation here recently. And we yeah. consider ourselves very spiritual. We're open to talking to spirit or things that are around us. Cause I think I encounter a lot of things day by day, but uh, I don't know. I just, I just found your, your description really wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. One of my favorite things, and this is something if anyone has an interest in angels can go home and do um, if you're interested in interacting or interfacing with, angelic communication or seeing what that looks like. Um, there's a wonderful tarot deck um, called the Angelic Tarot. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's uh, it has the Solomonic seals on it, which are essentially these uh, magical symbols that are the angels' names. Yeah, you're you talking want... to somebody who knows a little bit about Solomon. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, you know, so, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. And going through that tarot deck, going through the 72 angels, and just taking every one day, one of the cards, one of the seals, one of the beings a day, and just kind of acknowledging it can be a really interesting experience mm -hmm. because not all of the angels want to work with you. <laughs> and right, some of them have right. Other things to do, but you will find, at least I did, and the people who I've spoken with about this have found that there is a real sense of something looking back at you and saying, ah, I see you too. Uh, my first experience with it, I was sitting and going through the first um, the first uh, card in the deck, and this happened to be one of the angels that was associated with my birth. I didn't know that at the time, and I was facing the wall behind me. There's a window that looks out over an old historic churchyard, and as I was focusing on that card, there was this rustling, fluttering sound, and the shadow in front of me on the wall was just, it looked like something flapping, like flying across. And now that was probably very obviously a bird outside, but it was such an interesting synchronicity to have this moment of this thing, just kind of acknowledging and being like, hi, yeah, I'm here too. Uh, I would encourage anyone to do that if they're interested, just to kind of get that um, that affirmation. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've often told people, don't be afraid to use the power of prayer. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying there's any, thing into it but you know it's kind of a type of meditation if you will or whatever works for you yeah. uh hell i've even you know put on tesla you know uh, there's music drive with certain sound frequencies uh, that tesla discovered that you know a meditative state and can put you help you sleep and i've had visions i worked with a friend of ours uh, uh yana hanka uh, it's from the Czech Republic and she had had a horse accident and she got the gift after she had a, a brain injury and I, her and her husband work, and I was, I was kind of, I was a little uh, apprehensive at first about them doing the music and taking me on a spirit journey. And they do everything in a positive light, and so I allowed it to happen. And I really had an interesting experience where um, I, I'd never seen an animal totem before uh, mm -hmm. when I've meditated. But this time I saw this huge deer, like a stag. He had an injury over his shoulder blade, so mm -hmm. that was interesting. And then all of a sudden I was in like this dark tunnel. And I remember shocking both her and her husband because this soldier came through and he was saying the word Bravda, Bravda. Hmm. And I said that out loud and I don't speak Czech. And I told her, I don't know what he's trying to tell me. And I heard her gasp and then she brought me out of it. You know, I wasn't hypnotized or anything. I was just, you know, uh, in the moment. And uh, they said that that word meant death. And of course, she came from a region where. You know, she's had family members and she was fleeing, you know, all that stuff that was going on over there at the time. So 
again, I still yeah. felt things are directed to you for certain reasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if Elmer's had experiences like that, you know, driving out in the middle of nowhere and something happens and you're just kind of sitting there like, what the hell was that? You know, um, but you can tell it's not a terrible thing. It's just this weird thing that interacts with you. Yeah. Am I making any sense? Do I sound crazy? I know Elmer's going to say yes, but. Not to me. Okay. Yeah, you're making total sense. Well, I, I've also experienced a lot of shadow figures. I'm going to ask you this and maybe a couple of other things before we get off here uh, in, a, in a minute. Um, I've encountered a lot of shadow uh, interactions and a lot of people run, like you said, down the road. It's instantly evil because you have had some bad interactions with shadow uh, folks. I don't necessarily think that they're uh, ghostly. I think it's like a parallel or a dimensional type of thing mm -hmm. that goes on like stalkers and like they feed on your fear type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, not demonic. I hate the D word. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cause Bob had that. That's kind of what got Bob into this. Cause he had a, a thing, but I've, I've come across a few that seemed very, you know, uh, not angry or offensive. Uh, there seemed to be good things that came out of that. And, and do you find that too, that some of that's misidentified as if you've experienced that, that it's misidentified as being bad when it really isn't? Yes, I think so. I think that people sometimes conflate what they experience when they witness uh, the shadow person or whatever entity that they're seeing. And the entity's intent and why it's there and what it's there for. I think that many people see something like that and it's so out of the ordinary and there's so many beliefs and thoughts wrapped up in that, like, am I allowed to experience this? Why was this here? Um, that people see it as just a fearful thing when in fact it may be just neutral, if yeah. anything. And maybe could maybe maybe a loved one. I feel that my dad yeah. showed up that way and scared the heck out of me. But it, it turned out to be kind of a a cool interaction. I mean, other things happened, but it was a short time after he passed, and we had a strained relationship. And um, you know, even a picture even uh, came out of uh, some things that I show at lectures. Um, how much of this would you would you guys assign to the psyche? Uh, you just touched on that a little bit, Kat, you know, because it's it's somebody who's coming in with a preconcepted belief. How much of that do you think really is just some people's, you know, their psyche, their, their imagination, and they're not taking the time to examine? Uh, I want them to have the experience, mm -hmm. but they really, they still got to examine it first before they jump to conclusions. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we can truly know. I think, though, that it's important to to allow that emotion to happen, to accept that, and almost like meditation. It comes up and then you kind of let go the value of that and you become an observer. Right. You become someone who's just cataloging this experience mm -hmm. and you, you kind of transcend that initial ego, almost ego response of okay. what does this mean? And then you can kind of, once you're out of that, you can have different perceptions, different thoughts. And I think that's really important when it, when you're dealing with the paranormal is the ability to recognize that your perception can shift. Yes. There's a theory of mind that is very like 
popular in the United States in quote unquote Western culture of this, it's either in my brain and I've imagined it or it is real factual and material. Right. And I think these things are vastly, um, vastly more complex and more blended. Uh, much in the same way that in paranormal circles, uh, sometimes UFOs are nuts and bolts craft, and then you have Bigfoot over here, and then you have ghosts, and never the twain shall meet. We don't want to talk about the ghost UFO Bigfoot people, get them out of here. But really, these high strange experiences are deeply intertwined. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've all talked about that. Al Amers brought that up, yeah. uh, you know, with, with a gentleman that he knew that had a, a thought, you know, on UFOs, you know, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, Elmer. Remember you brought up a thing about, you know, the UFOs have a connection to the possible uh, Bigfoot experience and some other things and why things happen the way they happen. But um, I asked about the psyche thing because there's been there's been t- moments that I've done paranormal investigations. You guys, you know, have been out on paranormal investigations where I've, I've encountered people who've had some some mental issues. Um, they're very upfront about it. You know, paranoid schizophrenia. I mean, the whole deal. And but I still gave them the benefit of the doubt because just because they they have that the psyche, they got these things going on in the brain doesn't mean that they're not really having paranormal experiences. Um, I was never I was the guy that would walk away. I wanted to give them the chance because I did. I didn't want to say, oh, well, they're just crazy. You know, that's just very unfair. And there were a few times that. Uh, unfortunately, which made it worse for that individual, they were having real paranormal encounters because things happened to us there. And we had the person completely on the other side of town with a relative because I wanted to make sure they weren't manifesting things too. I'm a believer in some of that to a point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't explain it. But at the same time, I, I could only have a lot of just sympathy and empathy too that man, you know, they got this stuff working against them. Then they got to go and see ghosts and things happening in the house. And then they're now they're really questioning their, you know, their, their insanity because they're already being treated for schizophrenia, but yeah. they're also being, uh, which may be in a good light, but you know, to them, they don't take it that way, but now they're being tortured by, you know, paranormal happenings. And then, you know, we have to go find somebody that can come in and kind of find some balance for them, you know? Yeah. And that's really the key is finding practitioners. And there is something very exciting that we're seeing now within like, you know, the world of therapy and the world of um, psychology and psychoanalysis of addressing that there's a weird paranormal sometimes, or at least addressing that their patients have um, interest in this. So we know a lot of um, individuals who are involved in the um, new age, witch tarot world Mm -hmm. who um, are actually counseling therapists and teaching them like about tarot and teaching them about astrology because these uh, practitioners are saying, look, my patients are coming in and talking to me about, you know, this uh, stellium in their third house. And I don't know what that means. Um, So I do think that we're coming into a place now where while the paranormal will always probably be stigmatized due to it being the paranormal uh, and fringe, there are places in, that we can go to have a more developed and uh, nuanced conversation to support right. individuals who may have legitimate paranormal experience while also suffering from uh, medical conditions. Mm-hmm. And I think as people coming in from the outside, we don't decide what is legitimate. Mm. We just offer our help in the ways that we're able to help. Mm-hmm. Correct. 
Correct. And that's the best way to be. Like I said, I, we already talked about that rabbit hole and it was a learning again. I, I love to use this term. That was a learning curve too, because being new to this and having a group and going out and doing personal investigations, which I've kind of stepped away from now. Mm-hmm. I more, I focus more on historic sites, uh, historic homes I, I, and homes and whatnot. I will mm-hmm. take on a private thing on a very rare occasion uh, if there are certain parameters, you know, the things that are going on, I won't discuss that here on air, um, you know, because if somebody reaches out, I definitely want them, you know, to get help and not feel that they're alone. But, you know, with some of this, too, it it it, it changes your life when you've had these. Obviously, it changed yours when you guys had your experiences. It changed mine as a young man. Uh, and there are some people who it stigmatizes them uh, until they really try to understand it better and find people like you who they can sit down with and talk to, um, you know, share the experience or work with you and you guys direct them and say, Hey, we're just here to offer and communicate. And, and, uh, I tell everybody this, that I'm not just here for the living. I'm also here for the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have a message. They don't want to be forgotten. I've, I've encountered beings that I think are trapped, uh, for either unfinished business or they just they don't want to move on because they're afraid to be judged and whatnot. And I think I've encountered things that may be parallel or I don't want to say extraterrestrial, but just kind of on a weird end of things that didn't seem to be in the ballpark of my understanding based on my experiences so far. And I, I will follow that last question up or that last statement up with a question. Do you guys, even though I asked about angles, do you feel that you've had connection and I know this is out of the box and way out there, so maybe you know what's coming. Do you think that you've had any kind of communication through your mediumship with anything that that may be extraterrestrial or interdimensional? Mm. I don't know that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, when I'm doing mediumship, I'm I'm asking for specific spirits to come right. through. Right. And as we were talking about channeling before, I'm a little less um, enthusiastic um, and unreserved to jump into that type of water and to open myself up to that. That might be my future. Um, but as of right now, I've really sort of um, only invited in certain spirits to interact with me. That being said, spirit interaction happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I would follow up, I guess, Kat, because you, t- you you made me think of another question, if that's OK. Um, sure. uh, you know, I mean, does it happen even though you're guarded and you're only asking, does it happen sometimes people show up uninvited? Because it's happened to me. <laughs> it's happened to me. And I've had to be like, hey, you don't you know, you need to not be here. I've had encounters like that because it didn't seem like it was friendly or I've had mm-hmm. encounters where like, listen, I can't help you right now. I'm not doing well and I'm sick or ill or I'm working with somebody else and we can try to contact each other later. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, it does happen. Um, I think that it happens slightly less than what's popularly conceived. Um, mm-hmm. Many people think mediums are just, you know, have the third eye open all the time and yeah, right. constantly barraged by messages. But, you know, it, it does happen. And it, it happens more and more the more that you sort of facilitate this communication. But uh, we try to remind people that they can set boundaries, that they can say, not right now. I mean, it's not a yeah. good time. Yeah. I'm asleep. 
That, yeah. Thank you for thank you for you know reaffirming that because mm -hmm. I felt guilty as hell for a long time, no. and I'd get really weird looks when I do my you know my my ghost tour in my lecture because I tell people I was in the hospital virtually bleeding to death, mm -hmm. and I called down pastor and everything. I mean, we weren't sure what was happening, and um, I had things coming to me in the hospital, like people who had died there. Mm -hmm. And my wife's like, you were talking to people. I know you were drugged up, but I know when you're in tune, you know, and I was, and she said, you're telling people like, Hey, I can't, I can't help you right now. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I can still remember a few that I saw inside my mind's eye. And I was going to ask you guys, I guess, I'm sorry, I forgot to that when I perceive, or I've seen things, it's not like ghost whisper. I don't, it's rare that I've seen things physically in front of me, more shadow, than solid but i when i in communication once in a while i get quick pictures almost mm -hmm. like it's just a quick shot of them pointing at something and i i don't hear the voice but i'm aware of the voice mm -hmm. is that how you've had that different um i also don't see many solid things um more shadow people but that's something i usually don't pay as much attention to i i feel it first in my body and I can't really quite describe. I just know what is happening. More empathic. Then, I get it. Okay. And then I'm able to hear it. Um, okay. But not as much seen. And Dan has a different connection. Yeah. I seem to get more sensation. Like um, it's really weird, like a uh, touch, taste, smell kind of sensation. Yeah. Um, yep. And I have had only one experience where I've seen like an apparition, like solid looking person whom I knew had passed, uh, like, clearly, uh, but it was very, um, I would say it was very rare for me to ever experience that. It's only happened once. The flashing thing sounds very familiar. Um, and for me, weird, like flashing lights kind of stuff, um, which I think ties in slightly yeah, to your previous you're... question about um, like extraterrestrial yeah. things. Mm -hmm. Uh, which growing up was one of my big fears. And like, I had a lot of night terrors, visions of like gray, really? that whole thing. Oh yes. Oh, wow. wow. Terrifying. Uh, maybe there's a reason. Maybe. Uh, looking back, I don't think of those things as, and this is purely because of my current worldview and work. Um, I don't see those things as like, you know, beings from another planet or something like that. Um, I'm more in the Crowley camp of uh, these things seem to be uh, part of the occult esoteric experience. Uh, Graham Hancock has a wonderful book called The Paranormal, which is a, um, I believe it's called Paranormal, uh, which is regardless, it's an a, a, um, anthropological uh, overview of various cultures and their experiences with the paranormal and the way in which those things present. And it does very much interest me that when we talk about like ayahuasca ceremonies or shamanic awakenings or any yep. of that kind of work, things that look like extraterrestrials seem to show up. We as, um, you know, Americans who love our sci-fi don't seem to have a linguistic framework for that. So it becomes, you know, communion or something like that. But I don't know. Um, I'm always open to being proven wrong, I guess. No, no. That's an interesting take on that. And and I love to hear, you know, an, an opposite side of that. Because I, I'm a guy who also I'm aware of who you were talking about. I look at a lot of other things, too, that as, as even the work you, you folks do, um, 
in ancient cultures, you know, in ancient cultures, we're describing these things way before we had an idea in Western society. Mm-hmm. So that's where I come at from, at least in my debate or argument. I don't want to say argument because I never mm-hmm. argue. Um, you know, I'm just saying that, well, they were reporting things that seem similar, yet at that time they would have no idea what it is that we're talking about now. So then you have to ask yourself, well, there's something, there's always a bit of truth in any of these oral histories. You know, the native Americans alone are the best at their native histories, a lot of very ancient cultures um, and a lot of what they have shared, whether it be a fantastic story or not, because we obviously know their version of the earth was not on the back of some great turtle. So you have to, again, you have to put a lot of things in perspective, but like when they're talking about the same beings, let's say like, you know, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, uh, all the different names they have, because I'm into that same thing with, you know, craft and then they're drawing things and you look at it and you, you know, you can prove that this thing is, thousands of years old, but yet that looks like something that we've seen or we photographed. How the hell is that possible? Mm -hmm. So again, I don't believe everything to the fantastical, but as I said, I think there's a pinch of a lot of different things that have happened over a series of years and years and years uh, that we discover are are a little more than just like you said, you know, maybe us, uh, connecting this to our human experience because i'm i'm a guy too being in as an investigator from my career i'm i'm just as you outlined dan that i i always have to take that perspective too that people are going to perceive things differently and then they can make thing something look one way and then let's say we may have had a photograph of something they witnessed and it's completely different um you know what i mean uh, mm-hmm. people we like you said we have a really strange way with our brains and our minds of creating things um, to identify with. And sometimes we get it completely wrong. And Mm -hmm. like with the extraterrestrial uh, connection, um, being that there's more being exposed that obviously something came here from outside, but I'm just not in with everybody's fantastic, you know, like you said, they're, they're, they're trying to assign it to almost everything. And I just find that strange. I don't know. I'm getting off track here. No, it's it's, you're exposing what is the trickiest part of, I think, the paranormal, but also being human is like language is one of the greatest skills that humanity has, but it also is inherently limited. Like our linguistic capabilities, it defines the way we think. And Kat, you've had this phrase you've said multiple times, and I forget who it's attributed to, said, uh, it matters what thoughts we think. Ah. And like, that's so true. So when we look at these, you know, things that dis- defy consensus reality, uh, it matters what we're bringing to the table. Uh, I really think it does. Yeah. You had that on your question thing here about the language. And I think that's connected to everything. Maybe I was subconsciously uh, segueing into that before we get to the end here, because I often try to also make people aware of, you know, uh, the semantics of that, of, of history. And like you said, mm-hmm. word usage is the most abused and misused thing because it seems to fit our comfortable area of existence and what we want to think or not think. And even the demon you, you word, you know, I tell people, listen, you know, this is something that Christian society invented. Uh, you can go all the way back in theology and see where this word started to appear. And I'm telling you that these evil things and creatures, beings, entities, whatever they may be, because I feel there is stuff out there that's evil and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we just assigned it a word. And then now everybody just, that's the first thing they come up with and they, they run with this stuff. And uh, it touches in on the paranormal because I, I want to advise everybody. It's like, you have to unthink what it is you've already thought and what you've learned in order to become really neutral at this. And it is a hard thing to do to train your, your mind to do this for your own individuality. But if you're really going to take a serious look at, you know, ghosts and, and mediumship and psychics and UFO or, uh, you know, UAPs or, or, you know, Sasquatch or, you know, prehistoric creatures that still exist in the ocean, you've got to limit yourself to understanding, like you said, the power of language, the influence that it has and use it, using it in an areas where you know when it should be used, you know, not to influence, but to remember that that's only what we understand to this point because mm -hmm. we've invented our language. We've invented our math. We've invented our physics I guess I'll leave it with this is that we guys, we don't have all the understanding. Okay. We, I know we're trying to reach out and connect, but we don't have a clue. <laughs> we are, we are a speck folks in, in the universe of things that are going on and you guys reaching out in a beautiful way to try to make that connection uh, more power to you. I keep doing the, the good work in the light because you obviously know you guys are working in the light. And there are people who are experiencing rather traumatic things and they need people like you to reaffirm and, and to find more of the positive journey uh, well, that's you. involved. I know I went around the block with that. but No, but thank you for that. Oh, I mean it. Elmer, are you still alive? Elmer? It's like his picture's frozen up. He's kind of at an angle. There, there he is. He is. <laughs> Your picture was like, and I noticed nothing was moving on the screen. I wasn't sure if you passed out. No, nah, not yet. I'm about to, though. About I know to you've had a hard day of work. <laughs> yeah, I'm about ready to snuggle up with you here in a minute. Oh, boy. <laughs> why? Just why? I ask myself why every day. Well, why do you keep me up so late for? I, I know. Well, you know, we had to change the time, and I appreciate you guys, you know, being open to that because, you know, we, we wanted to make sure Elmer's off in time to be here and Bob, too, whenever he shows up from vacation and tells us where he's at. So, sure. Gotcha. I want a vacation like that. I just want to like disappear and be like, I'm in Bermuda Triangle. You know, it's not stupid. You know. And and I would love to have you. That's a. I should have brought that up as a out of the box question, <laughs> just so Dan can be like, "Where's this going?" Yes. <laughs> um. You know, because I already did the alien thing, but you know, I we've had medium people, mediums and psychics mm -hmm. on the show. Um, you know, that I've asked that and they feel that they had some interesting insight into that stuff too, because the, some of them tell me they feel, maybe you guys do too. I know I'm trying to get to the end of the show here. Maybe the, you feel this too, but they always feel like a resonance that seems a little off in certain areas of the world. And we, we talked a little bit about Bermuda Triangle and landline, or ley lines rather, um, being that the magnetism of the earth has a lot of play. And as you said, Dan, I think you were kind of saying it. If I'm if I'm wrong, please correct me. Um, but you know the the lineup of the galaxy, the universe, uh, it all has a connection to things that are happening in the sphere of the paranormal. As far as I'm concerned, weather conditions affect it. I I, I mean I've seen it. I've documented it. Uh, we work with a uh, I work with a, a team that they monitor weather conditions and we've been able to look in the analytics as to when we're getting a lot of good activity and responses as opposed to when we don't. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Shane, if he was here, would tell you that we experienced the thing where it was like Final Countdown, you know, like the movie, mm-hmm. where we had storms rolling through. And he was using a frequency which, you know, hadn't been used since World War II inside a, a World War II ship. And somebody started answering him. And he was getting things. And I heard it, too. We have the recording. Um and they're talking about coordinates and taking damage, uh, oh, and but it, but it, but it would only fade in and fade out when we had lightning strikes. It was the weirdest <laughs> damn thing. So it's amazing. That is amazing. So give everybody your message. I know this show has been everywhere. I've probably thrown out a lot of crazy questions. Um, tell everybody where they can find you, and and maybe you have a great positive message to to leave with everybody. And I also want to invite you to come back. Well, and be with you. us again because I know we've done two to. hours here, but I, I have a lot more to ask because you guys. Well, thank you. Yeah, we we love That's being a part of this. Yeah. Um, but as a parting space, I I know Kat, do you have anything that comes to mind? Uh, yes, many things. Um, please do experiment the experiment with explore the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um. It is amazing. It can be transformative. It can be freeing. And we want to invite everyone to explore. Yeah, our experience and what we try and create for others is all about fostering that place of joint experience. Mm -hmm. So coming together and recognizing, oh man, there's something else out here. There's something that's directly interfacing with me. And to do that with a group of people, which is what a seance is really, it's a group of people with ritual intent to brush up against the paranormal, brush up against the beyond. That's an incredible experience um, because it's not just one person having a, a moment. It's yeah. not just a, a, a solitary exercise. It's a communal one. And we are community beings in many ways. So I do want to back cat up on that. Really do reach out. And thank you. Uh, we are on uh, the Eckharts.com is our website. That's where you can find where we're doing digital events. We do digital seances as well as group readings, uh, which is definitely something we should talk about next time. Uh, And we also are available for like one-on-one consultations. And we'll be going back to live events now that um, everything is opening back up to the world. So thank you for having us. No, no, that's great. And and especially the digital thing. I definitely like to have you on. I tell a lot of the guests like a part two. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we never are able to ever, with things that you're doing, get it in one show. I wish I could be a little, you know, like less is more and I could get to everything because I know how horrible I am sometimes as an interviewer. Um, but I appreciate your patience on that because I, I have more I want to hear from you. Um, I get a great feeling off you guys as I have a few of the guests we've had on. And I want to tell you, I love your backdrop. <laughs> Thank is, you so that much. That is so Victorian, I can't even... Yeah. And as I said, you're dressed like one of my, you know, like Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of dig in that. Wow, uh, man. Wow. <laughs> he is. He's dressed like wow. Doctor Who. He's got the ascot. And I'm digging that, man. Well, thank I'm you. I, I, just, I just love this place altogether. Like the backdrop is just like awesome. I just, that is I'm cool. For like Christopher Lee to just walk out of there here. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's just awesome. I love it. Oh, I was thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, you're a great interviewer. We really enjoyed this. There's so much to talk about. Yes. And we would love to do a part two with you and your listeners. Yeah. And, and I tell everybody too, I'm, I'm trying to create friendships here too. And it's not to take any advantage other than I'm meeting great people and we, we talk. And I have questions about me too, that I'd love to have people 
get <laughs> so into me I. and read me. I know a lot of people have questions about me, Elmer. <laughs> um, and as I tell everybody, I'm not a guy who's without sin. You know, I'm obviously not perfect, but I try to come out and be as positive as I can. But I got questions. I try to, I try to sift through your minds about what you pick up off me and other things that we go on. But I would love to have you on and have us do like a seance like you said a digital thing like on the mm-hmm. show and see what we get because i talk to frank and mary henderson a lot and there's times i feel that they're very aware and they're they're happy to be with me at the castle and then there's times that frank is protective i don't know if that mm-hmm. uh, people don't probably know what i'm talking about and then there's times that mary's like eh, you know i'm either there or not and i remember getting a voice response maybe cat will get a kick out of this so i had a group at the castle cat and <laughs> I just happened to start filming with my phone and we'd been there for about a good hour. You know, you're asking the same questions because you're trying to tell them that, look, it's the only way I can communicate. It's, it's like asking the dead to do stupid dead people tricks. You know, it's a, it's a terrible thing, but it's the only way you can get responses. So um, I said that and I said, you know, are you here tonight, Mary? Cause I didn't really pick feel her. I didn't really feel that vibe. And usually I feel I can tell when she's there and I didn't hear anything. And I didn't sense anything, so I stopped and I played it back because I thought I'd post it on Facebook to let them know we're investigating at the castle, getting ready to close it down. And this whisper comes over my camera, um, a, a woman's voice. He says, I'm here and it's time to leave. <laughs> so I heard that and I'm like, I contacted everybody on the radio. and like, we're done. Yeah. Mary's, Mary's had enough. She's like, get out of the house, you know, and not angry. It was just kind of like, you know, Dan, you're asking the same crap all night. We're kind of, you know, and so when I do the tours there, maybe this makes sense to you too. If you guys have done events at haunted locations, there's times I almost feel like I'm violating them. Like it's a circus show. So mm-hmm. I tell them that people are just here to talk to you and really admire what you've done. Yeah, <laughs> kind of crazy, but so thank you guys for being on, being yeah. understanding. Elmer, thank you for taking the time out, and being patient as always. Um, Elmer's Elmer's the guy there, man. He's he's the standby to be here with me because, like I said, we never know where Bob is. And Bob, I know you're going to see this, so we're not going to give you uh, you know an easy time off, right, Elmer? Oh no, oh, no like, <laughs> he's not going to hear the end here. of this. Yeah, look, whenever we get off here, I'm like sending him a nasty text message, you know, something yeah. that pertaining to I don't know yet. So I'll just figure that out when we get there. Yeah. I gotta yeah. say, I love these guests. Like that cards, I I freaking love these guys. Like Thank they're you. just really they're really good. Uh, honestly, you know, most of them are quacks. I'm, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I, I I am very blunt. All right, like I'm not very I'm not a very nice person. Whenever you meet me in public, either a I'm gonna really like you. Or B, I'm going to tell you how I feel. And most of the time, it's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first. The Eckharts, they aren't quacks. <laughs> no, they're not Correct. quacks, all right? <laughs> like some of them, man. It's just like, and yeah. there goes the guest list. Now he's like, Homer <laughs> hates everybody. So now we don't want to be on the show. That's Thank not true. So That's not true. He's a good guy. But no, Bob, no. you know, I know you're, you're going to hear this before we get off here. And it's like, listen, mister. Me and Elmer have been hosting your show at least <laughs> at least for two months, so it'd be nice to have the actual host on the show. Just saying. Well, you know, me and Bob started this show like yes, you did. Of, like, what was it? Ten years, ten or fifteen years yeah. ago. Yeah. And like there for a while, I was the only one doing the show with some pirates, and it, it was very, you know, it wasn't very jolly. Cat just shot and, a look at Dan like I don't know what that means. 
it's, it's, it's code for something. Yeah. yeah I'll tell you sometime <laughs> off here. It's really bad. situation. <laughs> but it, it started out good. Cause you had a guest on here with the name of Dan. Now is, is, are you Daniel or Danny or is it just Dan? Oh, just Dan is fine. But it is just Dan. Your birth name. Oh, name my is birth Dan. name Daniel. Oh, okay. People yeah, do that to me, and I'm like, it's Danny. Like a hundred percent. Like most of the time, normal people, you know, their name is Daniel. They'll either go by Dan. I am, I'm a junior, and I come from, you know, well, the family's junior, the, right. the family's from Yorkshire, England. Then I, we, my wife got the wise decision. I asked about y- your heritage, maybe being Scottish because of the Eckhart. Um, but I found out that I'm more Irish than I was British, which was kind mm. of because my wife is 100% Irish mm. and I was giving her crap for years. And now I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> so there you have it. Dane and Irish, you know, mm. um, guys, thanks for being on the show. Now that we bored everybody half to death and uh, you've all been listening to the SMP, not SMP. You've been listening to, I want to wow. This is how many wow. shows, you even know, Dan, hold on, hold on. Tab, please bear with just me. This is sleep. how many just damn shows I've been hosting just on here. go to sleep, all right? You've been listening to I Want to Believe Radio Thank with you, Elmer. Elmer Foster and Dan Holroyd and the Eckharts of all, obviously, you know, they've been our guests. And, yes. you know, sooner or later, we'll have Bob Penny back on. Maybe we can do a seance <laughs> to bring him back on. And uh, <laughs> Yes, reach out to the other side, Dan, Katz, and you can find him. <laughs> Well, thank we you. just need like some little kiss figurines. Oh, maybe. he'll come running. Yeah. Oh yeah, he'll be here. He'll be here. Just, we just need some little, you know, things. Big pentagram. Oh wait, wrong thing. Wrong thing. Sorry, wrong my bad. Thing, yeah. <laughs> well, well, you you sign it off, and the way you guys sign off your show, Elmer. Yeah. Keep your eyes to the skies. Yep. And happy hauntings, guys. And and uh, Cat Dan, thanks for being with us, Elmer. Thank you as always. Love you, brother. Uh, hopefully we remain longtime friends. You guys uh, uh, make sure you check this out Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, okay, and unrestricted radio. It costs you nothing. Download the app. We play uh, ma- bands and music that other places won't. Uh, we also have a lot of great programming on go to the Michigan69podcast.com. You'll see our front page. You'll learn a little bit about me and a little bit about Bob Penny, you know, that spirit guy that never shows up. Um, and uh, you'll you have a player box. About me because then you have to, like, look me up. And then I'm just like, you, this, you do. I'm like, I'm like the secret Mortal Kombat fighter that just comes out of left field and just, like, knocks the crap out of people. That's you see, do you see how we never end the show, guys? Do you see what happens here? We get off track constantly. Um, it's like a train wreck. You'll it, love it. It's a train wreck, but you love to watch because you know what? You're not standing in the weeds with the rest of us right now watching the, entrain, the insane train go by the rest of the country. I'm just going to leave that out there. So, guys, uh, check us out on that, that podcast network. Uh, we had a player on there. You can listen to all the great shows. You guys have a wonderful, safe evening. Uh, God bless everybody out there. Uh, you guys keep doing the great work. Uh, I'm with Elmer. Elmer usually doesn't say that, you know, about guests. He's like, I love these guys and want to have them back. They like say he's always got some critique, but uh, uh, you guys sure. come back, come back real soon, everybody. Uh, here's here's my following message. Uh, please be smarter and kinder, and if you can't, just be quiet. Okay. Happy haunting. Have a good night. Bye.